Welcome to The Dish, a podcast by two dudes who review movies and really don't have any business doing so. I'm Mitch. And I'm Zach. And today, we're going to be reviewing Point Break. A, uh, a very nice Keanu Reeves movie where he is looking like quite a hunky young Keanu Reeves. Super hunky. Patrick Swayze's in it too. Very 90s famous Patrick Swayze. This was shortly after Dirty Dancing. And he's definitely the star of the show as far as 1991 was concerned. Yeah, Patrick Swayze is in peak form here. And uh, for this episode of The Dish, we are now mustachioed men. Oh man, we are mustachioed men. I, I had a birthday party and Zach here at a camping trip not too long before showed up with a mustache and inspired me to have a mustache themed birthday. And so I shaved off the beard. This is real interesting stuff. I'm just going to let the beard grow back in around it. So Mitch, you've been rocking your mustache for about a week now. I've had it for maybe two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I was telling you, I've noticed that I've gotten a lot of that downward nod of approval from <laughs> boomer men uh, that look like Harley faring folk. Yeah, Have yeah. you noticed that in the past week? Honestly, I haven't been in public much. I got an, a nod of acknowledgement from another mustachioed man Ooh. Uh, while I passed him driving. Like we both made eye contact and he just gave me the curt nod. As in, I, I acknowledge and observe your mustache. I recognize your mustache. That guy must have had intense mustache dar if he could sense it <laughs> while he was passing you going like a combined 70 miles an hour. Uh, we, it was probably combined like 50. We, weren't, we, <laughs> wow. were, we were in a neighborhood. I was making a turn. He was making a turn. There was a quick eye contact, curt nod of like game recognized game. And uh, we continued about our day. Your mustache senses were tingling. Yeah, just like a, it tingles my upper lip. Man, well, you know, mustaches attract, as they say. That mustache star was very strong. Uh, with great stash comes great responsibility. <laughs> you must acknowledge all stashes. I've, I have had a couple people tell me I look like Freddie Mercury. I went to the auto parts store the other day, and my normal, uh, like one of the guys there that, we're, you know, we're pretty cool, um, he was like, hey, Mitch, can I tell you something without you being insulted? And I was like, yeah, go for it, man. You're not going to insult me. He's like, you look like Freddie Mercury. I'm like, I don't take that as an insult at all. How could anyone take that as an insult? Yeah. Freddie Mercury was a dashing man. I guess because he was known to be gay or bi, but I don't find that as an insult either. I mean, you can be yeah. whatever sexuality you want to be and be attractive. Anyone that knows you would know that you would not find being compared to Freddie Mercury insulting. It's true. I think that just goes to show Jose and I need to hang out more. So this this movie... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This you were really leaning into that after that last uh, yeah, it just it, accidental burp. It came up on me. Leached into the last pod. <laughs> so this, so we have a sc- and you leaned into it. I did. You had a very admirable burp last pod. We edited out the exhale. Y'all may never know that, but now you do. <laughs> anyway, this this movie you was pierced the veil too far, Mitchell. The veil has been burnt. <laughs> With that being said, um, shall we get into the movie that is Point Break? 
Yeah, we're we're reviewing Point Break today, uh, undeservedly, but we'll give it our best shot. Uh, this movie was released in 1991. Catherine Bigelow, or Bigelow, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. She, she directed it. Her husband at the time was James Cameron. And together they, it, James Cameron is not credited, but together they actually like went through and, and wrote the screenplay for it. So there's some research that I've done. I think this was her first action movie. If not her first action movie, I think it was her like fourth ever film recorded, uh, or fourth ever film released that she directed. I am flabbergasted that both of us have done a basal level of research. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at how far we've come since Patriot Games. Well, before we get further into it, I'm going to crack a alcoholic beverage. What should we call our 90s alcoholic beverages? 90s i i don't know i was i was never of drinking age in the 90s hard sunny d maybe yeah some hard sunny d's hard tang this is a nice um (laughs) spiked capri sun that i'm drinking (laughs) liquid slam (laughs) capri sun liquid cool that might be it liquid slam my myself a bit of liquid slam for some podcast lubrication. Well, I am uh, on my first podcast lubricant, but yes, let's uh, let's continue diving into this '90s movie. All right, should we just get right into it? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go, Mitch. Grab your surfboard. We're diving in. We're diving in, and would you know it's raining? Freaking pouring down rain. At least in one of the opening scenes, we get like a back and forth shot between. Keanu Reeves in the pouring rain, wearing mostly denim, and Patrick Swayze allegedly surfing some waves. I had no idea who was surfing waves. They shot him very much in kind of silhouette. Yeah. A dark figure. A dark figure? No. You can insert some crickets here. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not getting that one out of you. It's fine. Uh, I actually, I didn't know Patrick Swayze was even in this. It wasn't until about halfway through I went, oh shit, that's Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you looked at me when we first watched and you were like, is that Patrick Swayze? I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> he, he, he looks much different than he did in like Dirty Dancing, for example. Like he's got this mop of blonde hair. It comes down all around his face and like, I mean, it, it, it's probably in the mullet category. Now, you're telling me that you were so ingrained with white trash DNA that your facial hair actually grows in on its own, all white trashy like that? Uh, I don't know what you're saying, but that, that's what's going on, yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely a gray area. But yeah, this, this opening scene uh, kind of hints what the movie is about, which is basically 50% detective thriller, 50% surfing. Yeah, something like that. Or, or at least 50% adrenaline-inducing activities. Yeah, and speaking of adrenaline, Keanu Reeves is killing this target practice he's doing in the pouring rain. Don't you mean John Wick? He was the one you sent to kill the fucking boogeyman. 
That was the first I, young thing I, John Wick. That I was the know, first yeah. thing I thought here because, like, if anyone here has seen John Wick, Keanu Reeves is essentially a gun-toting assassin. He's extremely adept with any and all of them. And even though this was Keanu Reeves's first action movie ever at the time, he was 26. He is, like Zach said, killing this this shooting course and killing it so much. In fact, he gets 100 percent, and uh, he looks uh, happy as a clam. You know, the FBI guy at least had enough wherewithal to wear a rain jacket, whereas Keanu Reeves is in, like, tight blue jeans and a tight navy shirt that's tucked in and just soaked to the bone. just want to comment about how this scene, the first scene in the movie, I laughed out loud because Keanu Reeves, like, does the look over the shoulder and he just has a shotgun in one hand and just he does, like, the Terminator pumping of the shotgun. And it's all echoey and shit, and then it goes back to, to the surfing. But like, man, just immediately you're you're put back in 1991. Just with that. Yeah, it was a great shot where he flips his hair and the rain all flies off while he's doing this cock, shotgun cock. And then shortly thereafter, we're we're put into Keanu Reeves' character, who is Johnny Utah, entering the FBI building in L.A. And he's there for his appointment. And he's he's a new hire, or at least a new transfer, straight out of Ohio. And my thought here was, have you seen American Psycho with Christian Bale? I have not. My name is Patrick Bateman. I'm 27 years old. So in that movie, Christian Bale is like a a bigwig, like office exec, essentially. It ta- I think it's in New York. I haven't seen it in a long time, so forgive me, viewers. But he's like a very... <laughs> it's just me and you, Mitch. You're, you're right. <laughs> Crickets again. <laughs> but I forgive you. Thank you, Sam. Um, but yeah, it's Christian Bale is basically he's just a sociopath. And he's like this very clean cut businessman, you know, slick back hair, super prim suit. Kind of familiar with the yeah. plot. Yeah. Whenever Keanu Reeves enters the building, the FBI building, we get this shot behind him. You get the Bateman you get, vibe. You get the Bateman vibe. Yeah. yeah right there. <laughs> I actually didn't catch that. He does look very much opposite of what he did in the rain. But what caught me was Dr. Cox swooping in to <laughs> brief him on how shit's going to be run in his branch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cox from Scrubs. None other than. I believe in team building too, newbie, and I'd make my interns agree with me, but they're in a timeout right now because one of them used the phrase, let's rock and roll. And it could have just been the exact same character. Maybe this was his previous job. But he runs a tight ship. He, he definitely does. Uh, and that is, we are, of course, talking about John C. McGinley. Um, yeah. Otherwise known as Bob, if you're more of the office space persuasion. What would you say you do here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's letting him know that <clears throat> he's got to meet his uh, strict standards even so much as going to say, my men don't smoke, don't drink, and we take the skin off chicken. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that was Keanu's or Utah. Right, you're right. Utah's, Utah's replies. I, I took the skin off chicken, sir. Yeah, they have some fun banter here, and um, they keep calling Utah a blue flame, which must be some like I don't know law enforcement term, because it's it's like two or three times that he gets called like oh, your blue flame recruit quarterback fresh out of training whatever hey, you're a real blue flame special aren't you son oh, i hadn't caught that yeah i caught that when i watched it the second time maybe that was a school's mascot the blue flames maybe 
I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, probably not. We get this like rant from Cox about how successful his branch is, and especially in bank robberies, L.A. being like the hot spot for bank robberies, apparently, and how they've cracked all these cases and how they do it is via data analysis. They're strictly by the book. They follow the rules and they do it analytically. Yeah, forensically and data analytically, which sets the scene for what is to come. Yeah, and we get that great line where he's talking to Keanu Reeves and he's uh, he drops that line about young, dumb, and full of cum. Full of cum, yeah. <laughs> young, dumb, and full of cum. I know. What I don't know is how, how you got yourself assigned out here to Los Angeles with us. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you got yourself down here. I guess we just had an asshole shortage or something is what he says. And then not so far. Oh, yeah. He, he's he's kind of hazing uh, Utah a little bit before. Yeah. He, he, uh, by the end of his old tour. Right. And then you notice at the end of the scene, right after Utah is like, I took the skin off chicken, sir. He starts chowing down on a bagel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love these. He takes a big bite out of a bagel. So the next scene, we get Gary Busey at the pool. Gary Busey is introduced as Johnny Utah's partner. Yeah, they're having them run through some kind of weird FBI version of a Navy SEAL operation or training where they throw a brick to the bottom of a pool, blindfold the agents, and then have them go get it and bring it back to the surface. Mm -hmm. And Busey is just, we enter the scene seeing him complaining about having to go down and get it because he's, he's so old and so experienced. Why do I got to do all this? I've been in the field for 22 years. I fired my piece over 19 times in the line of duty. I got no idea what a blind man fetching bricks from the bottom of the pool has got to do with being a special agent. Added to which indignity, I have been saddled with some blue flamer Quantico cat. Some quarterback punk. Johnny Unitas or something. The shit they pull, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you can tell he's not very happy about having this kid that's green behind the ears or blue in the flame. Yeah, blue in the flame department. <laughs> uh, but Gary Busey dives in after proclaiming, two bricks coming up. Uh -huh. uh, but Gary Busey, for the record, Angelo Babis? Babitz? Babis? Babis? Ba Babis? 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 I'm not quite sure how to say this. Kim Bassinger? Ba Basinger? Ba Basinger? Basinger? But now, on to the cancer. Something like that. Pappas. Angelo Pappas. We, we are introduced very nicely in this past two scenes to the police side of it. Kind of the prim and proper, button down, this is what the professionals are doing. Next scene, it's a chaotic one. Yeah. First it's, thing you see is pecs. <laughs> it's pecs, like in a car. Yeah, and they're putting on a suit. And so they bust into a bank with uh, masks on. It's... A few different ex-presidents. And uh, Ronald Reagan stands up on a counter and announces, we are the ex-presidents. And he gives a nice little monologue about how he just needs a little bit of your time. Presidents are going to take a little bit of everyone's money. They've already fucked everyone for years, so what's 90 more seconds of their time? Their money's insured, so it's not worth dying for. As they leave, somebody moons the, moons the security camera. He's got thank you written across his butt cheeks. He spreads them out, and we get a nice shot of butt and some, some man butthole. Yeah, there is some man butthole there. I, I noticed that. Ha! Gay! 
And then we freeze frame in that man butthole for a good couple of seconds as the scene morphs into Utah and Busey reviewing the footage of this man's butthole. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they had the butthole cam at the FBI because it just freeze frames and then zooms out of the TV screen where they're looking at it. But that was a shot that like followed him out the door. He stops and moons the camera. It's the highest quality CCTV footage I've ever seen in my life. That's for sure. I imagine the guy was in the security booth at the bank, just like with the joystick, like nink, nink, <laughs> and zooms in on it. <laughs> Check out that butthole. Yeah, yeah, there's some <laughs> hole there. Enhance. 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 Just print the damn thing. We need that guy whenever like Bigfoot comes out. Yeah, where is that guy? How can we get crystal clear CCTV footage of a robber's butthole, but yet when there's a UFO or a Bigfoot, it's shot with a camera that can do five pixels? You know, it's just the luck of the draw. We need more high security cams in the forest, I guess. <laughs> anyway, enough about this guy's butthole. Yeah, we could um, go on about that all day. <laughs> but yeah, Busey's ranting on about how these ex-presidents have robbed 27 banks in three years, and they're always in and out in 90 seconds, and they always go for the cash drawers, never for the vault. And they're not, they're not overly violent. They haven't shot anyone. But they're, they're, uh, they're reviewing this. Busey's given Utah the, the dish about, about these guys. Uh-huh. And uh, then these two square-headed assholes, these other FBI agents, they come up. I say they're square-headed because they either had square hair or a square jaw, or both, depending on which one they were. Anytime you two are finished jerking off watching MTV, we need to get a look at these tapes. Hey, Pappas, you uh, tell the kid your theory on the presidents? <laughs> Just take the tapes and go, Babbitt. Hang ten, Pappas, like totally right, dude. <laughs> they're they're making fun of him already. They're like, hang ten, bro. Like, <laughs> what, what was your idea about this? They catch wind that the drop car has been found. That is... The car the ex-presidents got away from the robbery in mm-hmm. and ditched. And the car has been flamed. Poured gas, something all over it to destroy, you know, the evidence, sweat, fingerprints, whatever. And as Utah is checking it out, Busey is just giving him a hard time. Like, you fucking try hard. What are you even looking for? Let's just go home, get out of here, grab a beer at the local watering hole. Like, give it up, man. He's ready to give up. His, time, his tenure at the FBI has made him impatient and i would say lazy yeah agreed utah quickly has enough of it and snaps back that you know he's actually trying and starts to kind of bait Busey into getting pissed off he he berates him he does he you know says he's not that far from the grave he's gonna die soon he's such like like a wash up yeah you're you're nothing like what are you even doing here if you're not trying Busey bites back and starts shouting back at him and they get in this shouting match it's impossible to conceive that I might have something to offer, right? Well, maybe I can do better than some over-the-hill burnout. Hey, watch your mouth. Maybe you ought to just take some early retirement right now and get some rent-a-cop night security job, tell Nam stories. Listen, you snot, those little shit! I was taking shrapnel and caisson while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face! You mad? Yeah, I'm mad! Good and mad! Yeah! What do you want to do about it? It feels good, doesn't it? Like you're still alive, right? Yeah! Well, since you're still alive and you're not in the box just yet, why don't you tell me this theory of yours and we'll go get these guys? <sighs> uh, that was a that was a great uh, a great exchange. It was, um, and it, it it was believable too. 
Yeah, it, it really was, was very believable from a writing standpoint. The acting by Keanu was like, okay, it was pretty good, but pretty early actor. But yeah. Busey, Busey's really good at yelling. <laughs> so we, we get some like Busey yelling, and it, that's all you really think about is that Busey's got some emotions, right? And so Keanu Utah is like, yeah. So why don't you tell me your fucking theory that these squareheads are on about? And so he does. The ex-presidents are surfers. He tells him this back at the back at FBI headquarters Wait. after they look at a butt the same butthole again. <laughs> They haven't gotten enough of this guy's butthole on CCTV footage yet. I didn't realize they left that up for this scene. I was too distracted by the fact that they were both drinking at the office. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, they were both, they were both, <laughs> they were both sipping on Coronas. There was a bottle of Jack Daniels on, on the desk. Oh, wow. Which further... Really boozing it. Just gives further stock in my theory that Cox is, is just sarcastic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Busey says, you know what? If you want me to lay down a theory, I think these guys are surfers. The reason why they think it's surfers or why Busey thinks it's surfers is because on the security cam footage, the guy who moons the camera has a really strong tan line. And the only evidence they've ever found was from a little bit of like sand on a shoe or something, a scuff. And one of the things in it was sex wax, which is surf wax. You put it on your surfboard for traction. Plus, when they show up, which is every summer, they're only there for three months and they disappear. And so that's why Busey thinks they're surfers. Busey's been in this situation as like the washed up FBI agent that kind of is the butt of the office jokes. And then Utah gets stuck with him because he's green. And they both are like, oh, we're going to kick this case's ass. They have a really cool, fun bonding moment once they are like, okay, we got a plan. We got a path forward. We're not just flailing around looking for just waiting for the ex-presidents to rob someone. Like we got something to go with. Busey jumps up on the table and like mime surfing and then Keanu does it too and they have like kind of a bra moment. They're traveling on the money, going where the waves are. That's right. <laughs> the ex-presidents rip off banks to finance the endless summer. <laughs> it was really believable and really fun because it's like, okay, like these two dudes are like now they're they're getting in the yeah. thick of it. Next scene, we get Utah at a surf shop purchasing a surfboard. And there's this like 13 year old kid at the counter, like <laughs> yeah. giving sage advice about surfing to Utah. Like, it's going to change your life, I swear. Hope you stick with it. Surfing's the source. It'll change your life. I swear to God. Surfing's the source, man. So he gets his surfboard, his surfing stick, and he heads to the pier and he's talking to Busey about, like, well, why can't I just go around and like, hold this board and, and talk to some people and get some information. And Busey's explaining, well, no, it's it's like a culture thing. Like, you can't just go out there and expect to be accepted. You, you've got to learn to surf. You've got to get in close with these people. It's like a lifestyle, man. <laughs> Keanu says, how hard can it be? And then smash cut to Keanu eating mad shit on a wave. Yes. And he really eats it. He's under the water for a second. I think he hits, like, a rock or the bottom. They show him upside down. They show feet near the top and him like swimming and getting bombarded by the waves. And I've done some surfing in my time. I'm, I would not call myself a surfer, but I have a board. I've been surfing probably more than a dozen times in the, on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which is not really comparable to the West Coast and the Pacific Ocean, but we still have some good waves. And I actually appreciated what they did here. They did a really good job of showing how scary surfing can be. 
because if you do get like really knocked out and underwater disoriented it's it's shitty like you you can't even get your head up above the water to figure out what the fuck's going on and the waves don't stop coming so anyway he's he's getting his shit kicked in by the ocean and a 13 year old <laughs> i have it written a 13 year old boy comes and saves his life oh no don't do her like that Mitch. i know i didn't well see whenever we whenever i first watched it i thought it was because this this woman who we find out in a few minutes is tyler and is a love interest for utah but anyway he's spoiler spoiler alert she's you know very petite and she has short hair and she has a voice that sounds kind of like a teenage boy and uh she like pulls him out of the water and and saves his life and it's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> i thought she was a total surfer babe man i'm glad <laughs> that hit you right it just whoosh right over my head i totally missed that oh man <laughs> i'm embarrassed to say she totally rescues him and lifeguards him back into shore and is um, pretty pissed at him. She disses his board, first of all. This big boy piece of shit! You got no business out here whatsoever! <laughs> yeah, and she's like, dude, you know what? Like, if you're gonna go out and, like, kill yourself by not knowing how to do it, just do it somewhere else. Like, don't do it in the ocean. Like, mm -hmm. don't make us responsible for it. So it's pretty clear that she has a crush on him in, like, a second grade kind of way. <laughs> From there, you think? <laughs> I thought it was more like she just has wants nothing to do with him. Hey! Her name's Johnny Utah! Who cares? And then he proceeds to fucking stalk her in the very next scene. He's, yeah. She's getting out of the ocean, like getting undressed and changing clothes, and they play a song that's like very sexual in the background while Johnny Utah's like peeping tomming her with yeah. the binoculars from his car. You mentioned something in there. I wondered if it was intentional. This movie originally was scripted to be called Johnny Utah. Yeah. Not Point Break. And so I wondered when when she's, when he's like, I'm Johnny Utah. And you see her kind of like throw her arms up. Who cares? Kind of like voice off screen. I wondered if that was kind of like a writer making a jab at like, why were you going to fucking name this Johnny Utah? I hope so. <laughs> the other title that it almost got was Riders of the Storm from the Doors song. Yeah. But the lyrics from the song had nothing to do with the plot of the movie, had nothing to do with surfing. Whenever they got out there, they were still, they didn't, they didn't even have a working title other than Johnny Utah. And eventually the lingo from the, from the surfers, they found Point Break. Basically Point Break is when there's, like a piece of land jutting out into the water and it makes the, the waves really good. I Googled this just today. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Did I get it right? You did. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Not a surfer. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably claim surfer, Mitch. A little surfer. So, yeah, you're right. He is creeping on her as she's kind of dressing back into her normie clothes. He just kind of spies on her as she's driving away. Spots her plate. And so, yeah, in the next scene, we noticed he was maybe creeping on her a little bit, but more so creeping on those plate digits. And so at the FBI headquarters, he's having someone do the super difficult work of pressing the down arrow key going through the file because he can't do it, I guess. But they see some you know, backstory on her. And one of the things that pops out to Utah is parents killed in airplane crash. And Johnny goes, yeah. That's it. I can work with that. Definitely. <laughs> Fucking sociopath, man. Yeah. This, this, 
I didn't really like Johnny Utah in this in these next couple of sequences because he from here goes to her place of work and is like, let me just lay out this sob story. My parents died too. And I came here from Ohio after they died to find myself to realize all the goals that I had in life were their goals. And he like, he's very convincing and it's kind of scary. It was very good. Yeah. I, for like, there were definitely points in this movie where I'm like, I see why Keanu got some shit for being Keanu. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. But this was really good and really affecting. It was. It was. He's like, I'm going to. Either I break my neck or I learn to surf. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to learn to surf if you teach me or I'm going to break my neck. You don't understand. I'm going to learn to surf or break my neck. He's the least Ohioan sounding person. That's very true. He, he does he, sound like he's from the Valley. He really does. <laughs> Sounds like he's from LA. LAX, bro. Yeah. But yeah, she basically tells him to get lost when he comes up and asks for her to teach him to surf. He tells a sob story. He says, you know, my parents were killed in a car crash and all my aspirations were their aspirations. I want to do something for myself and surfing is it. I want to do what you do. And she, she totally goes for it. It resonates with her enough that she says, you know what? Fuck it. Like meet me tomorrow bright and early. You are one minute late. I'm gone. And we get a nice learning to surf montage where Tyler is her character name, played by Lori Petty, is teaching Keanu Reeves to surf. You agree to do exactly what I Did you notice I the, the lyrics of the song that we're playing during the montage? Pop. I didn't. I will not fall. Oh. A little just kind of like in the face. It's pretty on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a little, yeah, a little too much. <laughs> but it kind of fun montage. Yeah. When I first watched this, I was wondering if they, like, did they find a surfer girl to do this? Because she was pretty convincing in the water. Like, she looked pretty comfortable paddling, fairly comfortable surfing. And uh, I looked it up and no, actually. Lori Petty's first time in the ocean was filming this movie. She'd never been in the ocean before, before this. Yeah. And she lived in Hollywood, presumably. I guess. I don't know where she lived. Wow. I thought that was pretty, pretty So tight. it was her doing like her own stunts in the more or less when she was... For this sequence, at least, yeah. Cause it's all like fairly simple stuff. Paddling on the, on the board and stuff. Yeah, a little bit of wow. catching some first waves. time in the ocean, she's paddling like a pro. Well, they had a like a, a surfing instructor who was pretty pro prolific at the time over there teach all the actors how to surf. I'd say all of them, all the ones that needed it. Uh, but yeah, so they all got surfing lessons. Patrick Swayze did, Keanu Reeves did. And they Roy both needed did. surfing lessons? Yeah, Patrick Swayze did too. He actually cracked three ribs or something like that Whoa. during the filming. Yeah. If you had to, if you told me two people needed surfing lessons in this movie. And the last one? two people, I would have guessed, would have been Keanu and Patrick. Yeah. Keanu, I think, picked it up okay. Patrick Spacey probably picked it up fairly quickly. But um, after breaking a couple of ribs. Yeah. Anyway, so we get this surfing montage, and right after it's over, they cut over to someone just, like, ripping up some waves. He's just tearing it up. He's getting in all these tubes. And <laughs> as someone who has done the surfing before... It's funny because in the 30 seconds or, sh or so that, that Tyler and Utah are watching him surf, he surfs like six different waves. He's like going left, he's going right, he's like going in a tube, he's on the back of it, he's on the front of it. It's all over the place. Like It's all cut together, scenes of this person who actually knows how to surf. I had surf, not noticed surfing. that. Yeah. He asks like, oh, who's that? She says, well, that's, oh yeah, that's Bodhi. 
Uh, she said he's called like Bodhi Artha or something. Bodhi Zaffa or yeah. something like that. Which... That's Bodhi. They call him the Bodhisattva. What? <laughs> so it actually, it's like it's Bodhi Artha or something, kind of like Siddhartha. It roughly translates to enlightened one or like, essentially he's supposed to be like a guru. Somebody who's very much in tune with the world and nature and all that just by his name. I think that the other lore behind it is that when Siddhartha reached enlightenment, he was sitting underneath a Bodhi tree. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because so they didn't explain that at all in the movie. But that's, no. That's a nice backstory, a nice little like kind of back support to the name. And to his character because yeah. we find that he is fairly spiritual. But it they all they gave it was like half a line by Tyler when, when Keanu's like, who's that? Which I'm kind of down with that, you know, like yeah. everything doesn't need to be as on the nose as like, I will not fall while they're surfing. Yeah. You know, yeah I like true. a little bit of, you know, subtlety. Yeah. I think she calls him a, a real searcher. The, yeah. I wrote that line down because it's, it's just, it, it's so fun. And so just like point break. I, I don't know. It's very point break. It, it kind of encapsulates the nineties mentality, but with surfing. And I, I'd say, I mean, I know plenty of people who surf. And there is a bit of a spiritual element to it. Like really? A, oh, yeah. People feel very connected to the ocean when they surf. And I get that. It's fucking hard as shit. But whenever you do actually do well, and even just being out there, like the, the isolation kind of gets your gears turning in a certain way, I guess you could say, or mm. you feel kind of calm or at peace or, you know. And th this this movie tries to tap into that. Hmm. Well, yeah. She says, he's a modern savage, a real searcher. He's a modern savage. He's a real searcher. What's he searching for? The ride. The ultimate ride. Guy's even crazier than you, Johnny. Yeah, all right, all right. So Bodhi sneaks up behind Tyler while Utah and Tyler are still talking and, like, grabs her and, and kisses her. And she's like, oh, yeah, I... We know each other, and it's clear that they've had an intimate relationship either before or now. You know, it's been a long day of learning to surf. They met at like 8 in the morning or something, and at this point, once they're walking down the beach and you see Bodie, it's nighttime. A football comes flying out of nowhere. Johnny Unitas, I mean Johnny Utah. Good one. Uh, <laughs> catches it. Bodie's like, whoa, dude, nice catch. Uh -huh. And this is the first time... Well, it's, yeah, the first scene we see Bodhi, like, up close, but he looks like a real cool fucking dude. He does. He looks like a dude who you would want the attention of to feel cool and accepted. He's just got this unmistakable charisma about him. Oh, yeah. And he also subtly disses Keanu's board. That's a, that's a surfboard, all right. Looks like a 57 Chevy I used to have. Which is him breaking the fourth wall, actually, because in Dirty Dancing, Patrick Swayze drove a 57 Chevy. Whoa, really? It's a cool factoid. Well, that really is. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was awesome. I didn't even, you know, he's so charismatic, I didn't even catch that diss, because when he said it, he was smiling, and there wasn't an ounce of, there wasn't an ounce of diss in his, in his demeanor or voice. You can also tell he's such a cool dude, because he jokes with Tyler, is this the guy you replaced me with? So they were at least romantic at one point or still are. Mm -hmm. And he's like kind of like still cool with Utah. 
even though he might be Mr. Steel Your Girl. Yeah. Keanu throws the ball back. I noticed here he's a lefty. But oh, you don't actually get that. to see him throw it. I, apparently, I'm remembering all these things that I read about Point Break. So they actually had like a UCLA either football coach or player or somebody come and give the actors like tips and pointers on football. Because oh. there's, a, there's a sequence here where on the beach outside in the sand, and they're all running back and forth and they're playing like, you know, football. Like a five on five or six on six. Yeah. And they're actually tackling each other and shit. But uh, apparently when all this, these tips were given to the actors, Keanu Reeves was hopeless when it came to throwing a football. Whoa. Yeah. So they never had a shot where you actually, they actually showed him like to show the arc of his ball because it just <laughs> never went anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're playing football. It looks like uh, Utah's kind of, working his way in a little bit, being being cool and fun, until he fucking tackles Bodie into the ocean hard. And <laughs> on the way to tackling Bodie, he bodies like five dudes from Bodie's team that are either just like idly standing there or are coming to block Utah. Yeah, he just shoves them out of the way like pro, pro status. He shoves everyone out of the way, which made me wonder like, wh- how are they all like right between him and Johnny? But yeah, he truck sticks the fuck out of Bodie into the surf. And uh, Bodie's whole crew comes up to like raid a swing on Utah. But once again, Mr. Charismatic Bodie's like, hey man, it's okay. This is like, this is uh, Johnny Utah from the Rose Bowl. He's the old quarterback. Yeah. Oh, how oh how the turntables. Oh, how the turntables. Because the dudes who were about to kick his ass were like, oh, dude, you. That's awesome, man. And you get a little bit of uh, backstory here, like why he didn't go pro was because he had a knee injury in that game where he, he basically his knee folded backwards. Yeah, some grotesque career-ending yeah. injury. Yeah, and so he became a lawyer. But lawyers don't surf. <laughs> Players don't surf. This one does. So the next morning, Utah comes into work in full surfer garb. Like he's got his his board shorts, his like colorful tank top, his sunglasses, and he's carrying his surfboard into the FBI headquarters. Because oh. I think as they're walking in, Busey's like, "Why do you have the boards? Like I can't lock my car. Oh. It sticks out." Nice so catch. So Cox is uh, ripping Busey and Utah a new asshole. And he really doesn't appreciate Keanu's method acting version of detective work. Yeah, he wants more of those nice analytics. <laughs> yeah, he wants more uh, crunched data. Special Agent Utah, this is not some job flipping burgers at the local drive-in. Yes, the surfboard bothers me. Yes, your approach to this whole goddamn case bothers me. And yes, you bother me! As Mitch said, he's he's uh, Keanu is standing there, holding his giant pink surfboard, and after he gets a full dress down by Dr. Cox, oh Cox is like he's like, what do you have one useful like anything you can tell me? And Keanu goes, caught my first tube this morning, sir. Oh man, how funny was this movie to you? Because I'm not sure. It seemed like it was played for funniness sometimes but it didn't i wasn't sure if it was supposed to be like a funny action movie or was it action movie that had like some peppered in funny moments i think it had like two funny moments one of them being this this moment and then there's one other one later i think i know what you're talking about we we will get there aside from that 
I think that it was just funny because of how over-the-top 90s action movie it is. And that's part of what I think it was almost a little bit intentional. I think some of yeah. these scenes were played up beyond the point of realism, beyond the point of disbelief of movies to just be like, it's pushed the edge a little bit far to be awesome and funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. I like to think it didn't take itself too seriously, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's much better. Much more succinct way to put it. So after the asshole ripping from Cox, they go to the to the lab, Busey in Utah, and turns out there's been another robbery and the security guard grabbed the ponytail of one of the ex presidents and got a hair sample. So they they analyze it and they find there's like traces of these certain compounds in the hair and Keanu being super like into surfing now since yesterday actually I think they implied it had been two weeks or something um, he's like yeah well surfers are territorial so if we can analyze these compounds and figure out what beach they're at via them we, we know where they surf we know what breaks they hit and so we can we can find the the ex-presidents and so they they proceed to go to a few beaches. There's a, a couple of short clips where Gary Busey's like cutting locks of hair off of some surfer who's smoking weed on the beach. And then Keanu goes like super LA and it's like, bro, there's like a huge thing crawling in your back and like yanks out this guy's hair. He's like, I just saved your life, bro. Close one. <laughs> and so they, they get the whole like, you know, techno babble and, they, they figure out what beach the ex-presidents surf based on this data. They do the analytics that Cox wanted them to. Yeah. Some FBI tech walks into the room and just straight up tells them, we got a match. This is the beach your guys are at. Yeah, Latigo Beach. And Utah's like, oh, yeah, there's a good point break there. And we get the, the title interjection of the, of the film. <laughs> Insert a nice little drop there. They head to the beach, Utah and Angela head to the beach, and Utah goes out to practice his newly acquired surfing skills to try and ingratiate himself or into, lack, yeah, or lack, or lack thereof, thereof yeah. into a surfing gang and try and, you know, find the crew at this beach, while Busey is totally not watching from an unmarked FBI car with on the binoculars. street with binoculars <laughs> trained on Keanu. I think this right here is the first part of the film where I start to think that Gary Busey is just, or Angelo Babis is just a terrible FBI agent. Like he lives up to all of the, the bullying that he gets at the office. <laughs> yeah. He's fucking awful. He, he really is. Um, so yeah, Utah's, you know, he's actually catching some waves. He's doing it a little bit clumsily though, because he, he kind of crosses paths with another dude in the water. Yeah. So I can actually comment on this because there is etiquette when it comes to surfing. Um, if you are in the, in the water and there are wa- there's a wave coming, if someone has already caught that wave and heading in your direction, you do not catch that wave. That is frowned upon when surfing. One, because it's rude, and two, because it's dangerous. If you drop in on somebody and you hit them and you knock them off their board, you can very easily cut them because the fins on your surfboard are sharp. And moving through the water, you know, at that speed with the forces of the water and everything else, injuries can happen. So like, it's yeah. kind of the same as like 
skiing or snowboarding. Yeah, like, very much so. If you're new, you, you're not really aware of who's coming down the mountain and mm-hmm. you're going to be like pizzaing or whatever as you're slaloming down. <laughs> and you could have a pretty bad, you know, uh, intersection with somebody. Okay, you see what he did? He french fried when he should have pizzaed. You french fry when you pizza, you're going to have a bad time. But also, I mean, I've heard, I don't know if this is true on the East Coast, but I've heard surfers can be like pretty territorial about their breaks. So they definitely allude to that in in this movie. Uh, I can't speak for the West Coast. At least on the East Coast, in my experience, not the case. Uh, people are generally very friendly. You still want to be respectful of their space when you're surfing, but like, you're not going to get knifed just about like in this scene because he, yeah, Keanu drops in on a guy. And he's like, get off my wave, bro. And he like falls off his board and then he comes over and punches Keanu in the face. And whips out a knife, and I was like, "Well, shit! This yeah. this is one aggressive ass surfer." Because <laughs> surfers are usually pretty chill. And uh, he, instead of knifing Keanu, he actually just cuts the leash to his board and pushes it into shore. Yeah. So he has no choice but to go back in after his board. Keanu's like, "Fuck it, man, I'm out." So he go, he he's just like, "Let's call it a day. This shit's rough. We're maybe gonna go to a different spot. Get out of this guy's wake." So he goes to the little um, wash station or whatever you call it, the beach where you like wash your feet off and shit. It's important to mention he walks behind a big bush out of the view of Gary Busey in his car with his binoculars. So as he's washing off, um, these four like legitimately scary looking dudes walk up. Yeah, the the, the Nazi surfer gang. <laughs> one, yeah, one of which is the dude that punched him and cut his, the leash to his board. Yeah. He... Yeah, he gets surrounded by these four dudes. So, like, you know, uh, Utah is standing with his back to the shower, and he's got four dudes standing around him. I think I called this out when you were here, but one of whom is Anthony Kiedis. Yeah. Chili Peppers. Red Chili Peppers. You did call that. And he's got, like, a crazy, weird, like, haircut uh, shaved into his – or hair designed shaved into his head. And uh, they're kind of like like a couple of dogs playing with their food because they're like, hey, man, like – it, this this is the guy, and Keanu's like, I know. This is where you tell me all about how locals rule and yuppie insects like me shouldn't be surfing the break and all that, right? <laughs> nope. That would be a waste of time. <laughs> We're just gonna fuck you up. These dudes are like legitimately kind of scary. Yeah, one of them's like pretty ripped, and the other three look like they have seen some time with some scary drugs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all pretty jacked. Akitas, for example, is pretty fucking jacked. Yeah. But also, he's also seen some time with some scary drugs. Fair <laughs> enough. I've got another factoid for you, Zach. Keanu realizes he realizes he's about to get his ass kicked, and so he makes the first move. You know, like he shoves his board at somebody, hits the other guy with it, and then starts throwing punches. The first person to get knocked out is Anthony Kiedis. And that's because whenever they did this movie, Catherine Bigelow had like a, a certified trainer come in and teach all the actors how to fight. So they looked like the fights looked real. And Anthony Kiedis missed the training. And so she just had him get knocked out first punch. Yeah. So that he didn't have to be in there like right. flailing around looking like an idiot. That is funny. I can imagine he, he's at, at the time, which 91, this is like, I think mid like drug haze that yeah. they were all, kind of all in. So I could totally believe that. 
Uh, but yeah, he gets uh, Kedis gets knocked out, and he basically he gets like thrown several feet. And so this is all happening out of the view of Gary Busey. It's behind the bush, behind the bush with a shower. So Kedis kind of like rolls into the sand into view of Busey. And you see him like run back into something. So Busey's like, oh, fuck, like there's some shit going down. Got to run with my binoculars. <laughs> yeah. So he runs out to try and get his buddy. And uh, Bodie rolls up out of nowhere, like player six enters the game. Yeah. Fight. Player six enters the game and he starts throwing punches and He's got some like Tai Chi or something going on. He he's got some moves. He definitely does. And so him and uh, him in Utah kick everybody's ass. And Bodie and Utah start to just kind of walk away from the beach. <laughs> this is actually kind of fun from Busey's end. Busey, you know, intercepts them, and he's all out of breath and looks relieved to see Utah for a second. But he doesn't want to blow his cover, so he's like thinks quickly on his feet to not be like, "Oh, good, I found you." Clearly dressed as like a narc looking motherfucker. <laughs> this is the only part in this movie to me where Busey's a good FBI agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> oh, okay. You two guys seen a kid run through here with a car stereo? He stole it from me. No, but uh, there's four guys back there you might want to check out. Oh, thanks, buddy. Hope you find him. Don't worry, I will. Yeah, so they're walking back to the car out of the range of these Nazi surfers, Keanu's asking Bodie about who are those guys? He's like, ah, some Nazis or something. And they're into some hard shit or whatever. And so he starts to pry because he thinks these might be his guys. These might be his, his bank robbers, his ex-presidents. Yeah. Bodie's like, those dudes only live to get radical, man. They don't understand what it really means to surf. He gets a little spiritual here. He, gets he does. Little... Yeah, he, he really does. And, before they part ways, once Keanu gets to his car, Bodhi invites him over to a party later at his place. So Keanu, of course, isn't riding alone. He gets back in the car with uh, Busey. They want to chase this lead, and they're following these four butthole surfers back to their, you know, what could be like their trap house. These guys are just raging down the road, GTA style, like standing in the back of a 70s Jeep. It's smoking all over the place. It's pretty radical. I don't know how they wouldn't be arrested in this instant when they went back to their house. Yeah, I think Kiedis is like standing up in the back as he's like mad maxing it. Yeah. Like standing in the back and like, they're yelling at people, throwing shit in the road, swerving OJ style. Yeah. Um, but they put in a, a, Utah and Angelo put in a warrant to raid where the butthole surfers trap houses. Yeah, and we hear that Cox is going to push the warrant through overnight so they can get there first thing in the morning. And they're like, better get some sleep tonight, Utah. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then smash cut to Utah attending Swayze's party. Yeah, this was a really fun scene. You get like the nice camera panning through all the party shenanigans with Hendrix blasting yeah fun place to be yeah mostly naked girls dancing people are clearly high or drunk or whatever but in a really good way in a cool vibey way not in like a everyone's just trashed way yeah everybody's vibing man this is most non non heinous and we see Bodie taking like a tequila shot or something and then chasing it by getting a little lime squeeze that he gets fresh from uh, a girl holding the lime in her mouth. And Utah came with Tyler, and you know they're walking in together, and she turns to him and is like, I taught him that trick. And then the other <laughs> girl's like, I like it. <laughs> and at this point, Bodhi says to Utah, 
make your stuff at home. What's yours is mine. Kind of like, yeah, you can get with Tyler if you want. I don't care, man. The coolest bro ever. Coolest bro ever. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, man, like just, this is another one of those scenes. The smile and just charisma of Swayze is just oozing. It's infectious. He's a fun guy. He seems like someone you want to be around. You can see why he attracts the people he does. Yeah. So out, they, they, uh, Utah goes outside of the party. Utah and basically a number of people move outside the party. There's a little fire going outside, and they're they're talking about a mythical storm coming. Yeah, they're like romancing uh, surfing. It jacks up. Drop down into the pit. It's 25 feet straight down in your balls. Man, your balls are about this big. And the whole thing's fucking roaring, right? Everybody's talking about, like, you know, what's big waves? This is one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is right here. Because each of the the posse, like the ones who are closest to Bodhi, are talking about, like, their surf stories and stuff. And they get on the topic of big wave surfing, which is, you know, kind of the, like, Spanish marlin or whatever you want to call it, of, of surfing. Big waves are insane. Big wave ridings for macho assholes with a death wish. No, it's not. It's the ultimate rush. There's nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. Maybe that's because you're not doing it right, Roach. And they're like, well, where where do you think the biggest wave is, brah? Kaha. Gain a point. Bells Beach, Australia. Whoa, whoa. No way Bells is bigger than YMA, bro. We'll be next year. Bodie believes the 50-year storm is coming next year. And that just stuck so hard when i watched this movie <laughs> just the surfer talk like talking about what waves are big and how how that tube closed out on me and and at some point in this they like they're they're talking about how how they're so radical that they're like they don't care about getting old or whatever and some guys like i'm gonna die before i'm 30 man yeah dude <laughs> yeah and so when the guys like bells is no way bells is bigger than waimea Bodie's like it will be next year. It's going to be a 50-year storm, and it's going to be the biggest surf this planet's ever seen. He's basically like the surfing version of the old salty sea captain. It's like, there's a white whale out there. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about the big waves, and Tyler, who's looking pretty damn hot in like a luminescent tight blue dress, is like, this is way too much testosterone for me. And she like walks off, and you get the cameras, like the angle is just right that you get her like ass waggling out of the frame okay utah follows her she leads him downstairs in bodhi's place to what i call like an adrenaline shrine because there's all these pictures of like skydiving and (laughs) and rock climbing and big wave surfing all this shit and keanu reeves is looking at all of these these pictures like wow he's quite a guy and then she's like yeah he is and then bodhi just like appears as well and he's like I've got something I want to share with you. And he says it kind of sensually. And for just a second there, I was like, is this going to be a three-way? <laughs> hey, boy. Johnny has his own demons. Don't you, Johnny? What's going on? He grabs a surfboard off the wall. He's like, come with me. I think this is the part where Tyler kind of warns Utah. Bodie's like extreme to the max. Like he'll push it to the edge and beyond. You don't want to. You don't want to go that far. And she's seen that like wild edge in Utah already. 
Bodhi has a pull and not to and to be careful. So they they all go out on the beach and and we get another surfing montage. Except this time, Utah catches a wave under the tutelage of Bodhi. Yeah, they're 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 sitting in the in the water together, and uh, Utah's like, man, I can't see anything. Just surf blind, dude. And Bodhi is kind of like um, Mr. Miyagi, just like meld do a mind meld with the ocean feel the energy accept it and then turn it into your own energy keanu catches he catches the wave uh with bodhi yeah they they have a moment a moment with the ocean though it is night surfing technically this was all filmed in the daytime with one of those really like deep blue lenses and then everything was edited in post to look like nighttime that's a fun fact yeah, night surfing is fucking terrifying. There, you would not be able to see nearly as much as you do in this scene. This is also when he catches a wave. This is also the scene where that I've been referencing constantly, <laughs> quoting whenever I'm doing something I didn't think I could do. Where Keanu finally catches a wave and he goes, "I'm surfing." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime that that we have been doing something, Zach will just say like, "I'm cooking." <laughs> We're podcasting. We're potting. Yeah. Excuse me while I drink my liquid slam. <laughs> so yeah, he catches a wave, and then the uh, the other guys go in, and Keanu is still out in the water with Tyler, and he's he's just kind of in a in a daze. I can't describe what I'm feeling. He's feeling really good, and she says that he looks happy. That she's never seen him look like that. He usually looks like he's like doing a school project or something. He's always got that like focus and that determination and. But she's cold, and so they make out. Yeah, apparently looking happy really turns Tyler on. We do. So Utah and Tyler bone down on the beach. They do. <laughs> what beach is this where they can just bone down on the beach and just sleep naked on a towel until what I presume is like 10 in the morning? Is it a private beach? Yeah. I mean, there there got to be some people who are out there like walking around in the background like, oh, oh. I guess uh, Bodhi's vibes are rubbing off on Utah. Clearly. So I bet Bodhi would do it, no problem. Oh, Bodhi would bone down on the beach, no matter how much sand was where it shouldn't be. <laughs> Utah's, um, he's going a little bit too deep undercover. When, you know, when, when he coituses with Tyler. He went deep undercover. Yeah, he went deep under and into cover. <laughs> and he's, you know, you get the sense he's mixing business with pleasure here. Full coverage. <laughs> he was enveloped with cover. <laughs> I, just I couldn't think of one. No. Yeah, I saw you searching for another. I was like, oh, there may be more there. I'm not a modern savage. I'm not a real searcher. <laughs> I'm searching. <laughs> so they, uh, he wakes up late as shit, freaks out. And rushes to work. Which work happens to be the raid on the butthole surfers. The house. raid that he almost misses. Yeah. He gets out of his car, his standing like blue jeans, and he's just running with his gun in his hands. And then he just shoves the gun in the front of his pants. That's what we call a Mexican carry, which is very dangerous if you have a gun that doesn't have a conventional safety. Yeah. He catches up with the raid. The square haired duo is berating him for being late to his own raid. I guess he's there story wise because it's his case so he's got to be present for it but the problem is he shouldn't be there no, he's he deep not. undercover why why is he raiding like a surfing gang's house where there's like 
four dudes, maybe more inside. It's not far from the beach. Anybody and their brother could see Johnny Utah, who's disguised as sunglasses, I guess. I totally agree with you. It was it was very jarring to see him there and kind of like made me think like what the fuck yeah like he should be in a car somewhere with a, a wig like is cox okaying this decision i guess uh but then cox doesn't seem to prove like being undercover at all he's like just fucking crunch some numbers bro anyways uh Busey sees reeves or keanu and he's like you know he's directing traffic you go here you go here he tells utah we don't want you to blow your cover so just go hang out under this like back window don't jump in unless you absolutely need to. So he does. He goes to the back. They've got their radios all going, and he's kind of peeking through the window, and we see a couple of – a little bit of insight into these, like, Nazi surfers' lives. There's one dude who's pouring beer into his cereal. <laughs> yeah. Which, that, that was pretty funny. And then there's another guy who's, like, having a methamphetamine-induced spasm while listening to music. On his bed. He's like his, pounding the bed. Yeah. Everything. And we see a naked girl in a shower. So yeah, he, he's watching from the back. Busey's got his his wire on, and he's running through the streets shouting, Scooby, Scooby, acting like he lost his dog. And he goes and knocks on the door to this surfer crackhead den, and this pretty banging woman in black lingerie opens the door, and it's like, I don't give a shit about your dog. Like, get out. But he's he's pressing, and he's trying to get as, get as much like time talking to her as possible so they can find out as much as they can. Keanu's in the back and he sees all the crackhead surfer guys like losing their shit because they realize there's people outside and they grab this bag and they dump it on the couch and it is full of assault weapons. It's fucking arsenal. Colin, this is Utah. Get Angelo out of there. They're pulling out a fucking arsenal. Yeah. So right around the time he sees this happen, the neighbor right behind the house has started up his lawnmower and apparently it's super loud because... Keanu can't get through to the Squarehead crew, and they can't hear him anyway. Cullen, you copy? Cullen! Alvarez! Don't let him pull his badge! Fuck! I can't hear jack shit over the lawnmower. I'm raised. Of course, he shows his badge, and gunfight ensues. Yeah, it's a bloodbath. Once you see, he shows his badge and basically immediately bum rushes his way into the house because they're going all over the place the the square haired crew comes in on the side Busey comes in he's shooting his little revolver off Keanu comes in the back door like shouting FBI and, and shooting off he kills a guy immediately and one of the butthole surfers just unleashes his auto rifle into the back of the girl who answered the door just because Busey was in the way Busey yeah, was there there's a little bit of a continuity error there you think this girl's getting shot in the back but two scenes later one of the butthole surfers is like clinging on to that girl in the black lingerie who had just gotten shot in the back as like a human shield. And then Busey shoots him in the head and she screams. And she, so she seems fine. Maybe that guy is like a stormtrooper who just like can't hit. Yeah, I guess so. It shot all around his, his two targets were yeah. right in front of him. Yeah. You know, in the chaos, Kiedis, Anthony Kiedis character like shoots himself in the foot. The yeah. naked girl that was showering. The sh- shower door gets shattered. Yeah, she, like, scurries out, I guess grabs a knife, and, like, gets some serious stabs off on, like, three different FBI yeah, agents. Yeah, first she kicks Utah's ass, because he's, like, peering around a corner, and yeah. out of nowhere, like, you had seen the shower go- door get hit, and she's, like, screaming bloody murder, and then she comes out of nowhere and knocks his gun out of his hand, knees him, like, in the crotch and then in the chest, and then starts beating him in the back. 
strangling him and he beats her off of him and I guess gets into another room because right after that she shows up again with a knife and just starts stabbing uh, one of the squarehead crew. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, dude, she kicked ass. She did. I feel like usually in these kind of scenes when there's like a naked woman that's just like an accessory to, you know, the bad guy or whatever, they're kind of a potted plant and like when action pops off, they scream, run away or cower or whatever. But like this was this turned that whole idea up on its head. Like really this did. girl fucking went for it. I thought she was actually kicking Utah's ass. Like those punches for did sure. not look pulled. No, she kicked mega ask. Mega ask. kicked mega ask. <laughs> but in all, in all of the chaos, one of the butthole surfers that we learned earlier during the, uh, the shower face-off, Warchild, runs off and Utah is chasing him. Gets about as far as where the guy is mowing his lawn. Um, I think I think Utah actually tackles him through a window. That's how they get in the backyard. And then Warchild runs off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So they do a little uh, wrestling around in the grass. Warchild gets Utah in a pretty perilous situation. He gets his face right in a lawnmower, and he's trying to press his face right in the meat grinder. Keanu's trying to hold back as as hard as he can. Yeah, the lawnmower is like flipped over, and he's he's holding the wheels, and he keeps like slipping off the wheels, trying yeah. to like, keep his head from going in it. And you get a lot of nice little shots of like the lawnmower blade spinning shots from the lawnmower's perspective i guess at keanu and then profile where you see just how close he's getting yeah fun fact here that lawnmower is like it's like one of those conventional like drum lawnmowers it doesn't have a spinning helicopter blade it's it's right it's like a push mower yeah okay like a that was not an actual powered mower they made that for the movie i didn't see any engine or anything every time i've seen one of those lawnmowers it's been in like a 1950s cartoon where the way it moves is just by pushing it and that's mm-hmm. what drives the, the that's the, what it normally the, is but they made like a i think what they actually did because when you one up yeah when you see the the neighbor start the mower it it has a motor on top of it i think they just strapped like a briggs and stratton to the top of this thing and made it look like it was powered and then they just put <laughs> they just spun it for the scenes where he was about to get his face ripped off by it i like the idea of a frugal neighbor to the butthole surfers just having some like rusted rust bucket lawnmower from the 1950s and he goes out and buys like some leaf blower motor and just like hooks it on top of it yeah. from the flea market. <laughs> that that makes perfect sense. I think that's canon actually. This guy, he, yeah, he didn't want to go out and buy the brand new John Deere. He's like, oh, I've got this old antique and I've got this go-kart motor. I'll just strap it to that. <laughs> Little did you know, it would almost be accessory to murder. Yeah. Before Utah can get his face turned into ground beef, Busey intervenes, shoots Warchild. No, he shoots the lawnmower. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Busey shoots the lawnmower. Yeah. Fun fun choice because I don't know if that would have actually turned off the lawnmower. Or was intentional. Maybe not. Maybe just that he has bad aim. And again, he's a fucking terrible FBI agent. He is a terrible FBI agent. But one other thing that maybe lends to the fact that he's not is he did shoot one of the butthole surfers in the head while he was like holding the black lingerie girl as a human shield it was a really good shot and he has a, a revolver with like a two inch barrel but i've got to, i've got to wonder is that a good decision definitely not in fact Busey brags or maybe not brags but he talks about on several occasions i fired my gun 19 times in the field he alludes to killing people and how it looks bad on his record Maybe that's just because he you know, like shoots first and asks questions later. <laughs> Maybe he did shoot the lawnmower intentionally if he could get that nice headshot off. 
It's been paper targets up until today, huh? It's no different, Johnny. Just a little more to clean up. I figure. Or the headshot was very lucky and he was just going to shoot both of them. <laughs> it just so happened to hit him in the head. <laughs> yeah, Busey intervenes because now there's a gun involved. War Child basically rolls over and you know puts his hands up like, don't kill me. We get one of a, a couple of nice Buseyisms that I'm sure was not written into the script. He runs up, points his gun at War Child's head and says, Speak into the microphone, squid brain. Like, it doesn't get more Gary Busey than that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> they come back into the into the butthole surfer's den, and everybody's getting cuffed. One of the butthole surfers, you're led to believe originally, comes into the room, pissed as shit, and he slams two kilos of crystal meth onto the wall. And he's like, you see what that? You see what that is? And he, he reveals himself to be a DEA agent who was casing them for like three months and just pisses all over them and for ruining his operation because he was about to, to nail the dealer, like the, the higher-up who was supplying them. Mm-hmm. And Cox is there just kind of like being an asshole. I don't think he says anything, but he definitely has this look of like, well, you guys fucked up again. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I've got a very mini fun factoid. That guy is actually Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Um, from, or not from, but who was also in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, okay. Um, anyways. He looked a little familiar to me, but I, I couldn't place him. He definitely looked, he, he was uh, undercover from an acting standpoint. He didn't look like what I knew, know Tom Sizemore to look like. But anyway, I felt like the um, factoid balance was a little off. You've been dropping some mad nice factoids. Dude, get your that. factoids in. Even the even the ledger. I've got a factoid I've got a factoid hopper here and it's still got a few. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, a hard cut after they botch the raid. After they shit themselves, after they shit the bed, there's a scene cut which is one of my favorite shots in the movie, like the, the very next scene. It's uh Utah and Tyler laying in bed and it's like dark sheets and everything. The camera is just directly above the bed, like if you just went Z-axis and pulled the camera directly up. Keanu's wide awake. Tyler's asleep, kind of cuddling on his chest. He's got a hand behind his head, and he's just looking off the distance. Looks like he's just like, you know, thinking. Yeah. And it's doesn't really advance the story at all, but like, man, what a cool artistic shot. Like, it just it spoke to me for some reason. Bodhi rolls up like some, you know childhood friend you've known forever he just like wakes him up bang on the door let's go morning surf <laughs> and tyler's like yeah he does this let's go Bodie and the boys beat him the punch they're well in the water and well surfing before utah and tyler can get in so they're just walking down the beach on the edge of the surf while they're watching Bodie and the boys all riding on one wave all four of them together they're just having a grand old time one of the dudes even um pulls his pants down to moon to moon Bodie, to moon Bodie, which he's like, yeah, <laughs> I noticed that too. He moons Bodie, and Bo- yeah, Bodie just looks at the biggest fucking grin. Yeah, butthole. Yeah, and then the other guy behind him is like, no. <laughs> you see the zoomed out scene. You see all of their like hand motions and things. And Keanu is watching from the beach, and he has an epiphany. He sees the same tan line butthole combo that he's been looking at for hours. At the FBI office. Tyler says to him, everything okay? You look like you've seen a ghost. And then there's 
a totally unrelated flashback. Unnecessary Busey. Un- unnecessary <laughs> Busey. <laughs> saying, uh, giving him some early advice that was kind of throwaway. It was like, uh, these guys are ghosts. Yeah, they're ghosts. And it's They actually like cut the video in, too. It's not just like he looks up and you hear Busey go, they're ghosts. They cut Busey in like, forget about it, kid. They're ghosts. It's one of those moments that I feel like is just beyond what's like acceptable for an action movie to make it funny. Yeah. Yeah. The, this was a laugh out loud moment and <laughs> a, a picture of how the movie does not take itself too seriously. So Johnny Utah suspects Bodie. He's telling Angelo Busey about how he's been casing Bodie, how he saw him go pack up all his shit at the house, how he cased a bank and... He's pretty positive that Bodie and friends are the ex-presidents. So the next day, he wants to stake them out. He knows the bank that he thinks he's, he thinks they're going to hit. And this next scene, the next morning, we get the full, unabridged, unadulterated, terrible FBI agent that is Gary Busey. Terrible. Awful. No good. It should be funny, but I found myself getting angry. Me too. He's, Audibly. He's- they're doing the SunTrust bank stakeout. They're sitting in the car, and it's 10.30 a.m., and Beach is like, It's time for lunch. Angelo, it's 10.30. While he's reading the, the funnies in the newspaper. Yeah, without looking up from them. He's so obsessed with these funny comics. He's been casing these guys for three years. Oh, guess what? I'm pretty positive this is them. He has every reason to believe that Utah's right. Best lead yet. Best lead yet. But you know what? <laughs> This comic is pretty fucking funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, and it's not like like he's reading it if you're trying to be cool while you're texting and driving where you kind of have it down, but you're kind of glancing up. He's just having it like he's disguising his face in somebody. He's blocking his view of everything. He's state mapping the windshield with this (laughs) newspaper. No vision at all on the bank. Hasn't looked up. He doesn't look up in this entire scene. Yeah, and wouldn't you know it, while Utah is, you know, ordering his roast beef or whatever, a uh, sedan, a Lincoln pulls up in front of the bank. The ex-presidents, all four of them, hop out, blast into the bank. Utah's none the wiser. He turns around after they go in and just sees a car there. He's like, oh, that's weird. Gets back to Busey reading the funnies and goes, She said Lincoln pull up. I'm so hungry I could eat the ass in out of a dead rhino. I should have had you give me three of these things. What Lincoln? And starts chowing down. They miss the whole party, but they see the ex-presidents run out yeah. with all the cash. So Utah is like, ah, oh, shit. Like, I do everything myself. He Damn, pursues on foot and unloads a clip, him. a handgun clip, into them from 100 feet away or so. Yeah. They see clear as day through the agents that chase him down and yelled, FBI, freeze! And a car chase begins. Yeah, the, the car chase engages. Engage. Engage. Busey's driving their, like, shitbox FBI mobile. Really intense chase. They're going through parking lots. They're on the street in both lanes. And then they're, like, I think they're entering a parking lot or something. And Busey runs over the guardhouse, like, hits the guardhouse, and it knocks out the car. And that's when Keanu jumps out and starts chasing on foot. Yeah, so he's back to try-hard mode. And he's just full-on, like... I don't give no fucks. I'm running down a car on a, on a like city road or whatever. I'm just going to chase him. 
Yeah, and have it be noted that right whenever the ex-president's car runs into this lot and passes the guardhouse, they run over a spike strip, so all their tires are flat. So their their car's on their last leg. Yeah, they pull into some you know gas station, ditch the drop car that they pulled into the bank with, and still in full ex-president's gear, commandeer car. Commandeer. The guy that's Reagan, the ringleader, takes one of the uh, the fuel pumps, holds a lighter at the end of it, and then starts flaming this car, which is kind of their M.O., to, like, hide the evidence. What did you think of the scene? Dude, this... <laughs> so fucking cool. I, I remember thinking, watching it, like, I want a poster of this scene with, like, the Ronald Reagan mask in the tux just shooting fire out of a gas pump onto a car. It was so fucking cool. It feels like the peak of American cinema. Maybe not the peak, but one of the most iconic moments. Even Very I've iconic. I've never seen it before. It Same. Felt so familiar. It did. I wrote iconic on my on my notes. Even though again, I've never seen it before either, but it just felt super impactful like something everyone's seen. It was burnt into our memories at some point. Oh. <laughs> but I also feel like there's probably a lot of um subtextual political innuendo there of Reagan a guy in a Reagan mask just like flamethrowing a car, an old Lincoln car. <laughs> Depends on what side you're on. But I'm not well versed enough in like Reagan years to know exactly what <laughs> what that symbolizes. So yeah, while he's like right after he finishes torching the car and the other three are waiting for him in the, the new getaway vehicle, Utah comes out of nowhere and tackles him through the flames. And for a moment they're having a fist fight both on fire. It's pretty short. Utah doesn't need a grasp on him, so Reagan makes him run for it. Reagan gets away, but they're not far apart. Uh, a very fun foot chase ensues that's just like as chaotic as can be, cutting through back alleys, people's backyards, jumping over fences, running through houses. At one point, Reagan runs into someone's back door, locks it, scurries through the house. Utah just like throws himself through the glass, breaking it, runs around a corner, and around the corner, uh, Reagan has a pit bull in his hand and just throws the pit Chucks bull, the pit bull at, at Utah, yeah. who then punts it away. <laughs> yeah, so a couple of fun facts from this sequence. The running through suburban LA is such a fun scene. They had a special cam they used. They called it like the pogo cam or something like that. It was just a jerry-rigged camera on a stick, basically, that the cameraman like, wore and would either chase them or run in front of them, pointing it at them when they ran. So it was kind of a pioneering technique, if you will. From what I read, the way that they knew what they were shooting at was they had taken some like flexible wire and attached it to the camera and made a box in the front with the wire, so they had a basic idea of what was in the frame. Oh man, that is cool. It's very intense. It's, it's such an intense action scene. And yet another one of those scenes, or I guess like little sequences, especially the dog, where the movie is not taking itself yeah. too seriously. Like, what the hell? Like, to, to, For this to have transpired, Reagan would have had to run through the house, pick up, wrangle this dog, stand there and wait for Utah to catch up. Yeah. And then just like throw the dog out. Dog's cool with it. <laughs> God. The chase leads them to the big drainage canals. LA is known for them. There's these giant concrete canals where all the runoff goes during heavy rains. And so the heavy rains that LA is known for. Oh yeah, certainly. Reagan jumps down into this canal and with Utah right behind. And Utah lands on his bum knee 
and is it's clear he's re-injured it and just starts screaming and wailing. Reagan keeps running, but this is where we get that very memorable scene of Utah pulling out his gun and laying and getting him in the sights on the ground as he runs away, but in frustration because he suspects it's Bodhi, he just ends up screaming and shooting straight up into the air. It's an affecting scene because you get a real close-up shot of the Reagan mask and you see the eyes mm -hmm. just wondering, am I going to get shot as I'm clinging to this fence? I was wondering if he was wondering that or if he's like big-dogging him, looking at him like, you know you don't want to kill me, Utah. Just kind of playing the mental game. Yeah. He blows his whole magazine load into the air yeah. in frustration and, and grief and a whole mix of emotions. Yeah, which doesn't go unnoticed by the FBI. You know, this is the same guy that got 100% on his... His rainy shooting range test. Because he's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, you're you're a fucking dead-eye ace. Like, you missed all your shots on a dude, like a basically stationary target climbing a fence. And he's like, dude, you're getting too close. You got too much skin in the game with these guys. You're too close to these guys. <laughs> Utah's just like... Nah, man. Nah, I missed. <laughs> nah, I missed. Busey knows that he's too close. He knows that Utah missed on purpose. And he makes it clear. Yeah, so Busey's like, you know what? Go home. Just like wash yourself of all this situation. Just go home and try and like reset. So what does Utah do? Well, he goes back to Tyler. <laughs> he goes back to Tyler. Well, it's at his house. I guess she's staying with him now. He He's getting cleaned up by her. It's one of those scenes where you know the female character is like dabbing the blood off of him, except she's not dabbing the blood. If you look closely, and this distracted me a couple of times, she has like the wet cloth or the wet towel, and she's you know, like cleaning up like, oh, it was a pretty bad wreck, I guess. And all, you should see that the other guy and all those comments are had. But every time she dabs his face with the wet rag, she dabs in between the blood. She only ever dabs clean skin. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. It was a little <laughs> frustrating to me. I was like, yeah, okay. I know you don't want to wipe the blood off, but it just looks like you're doing a bad job. You don't want to mess up the makeup. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but in this, in this moment, Utah really wants to tell her the truth. Yeah. Man, this is harder than I thought. But he can't bring himself to do it. And she shushes him and says, you know, tell me another time. It's fine. It's almost like it's... <laughs> I see the confusion from her because it's almost it's the same trepidation you have when you're trying to tell a girl that you just like her. And of course he likes her, but maybe he's trying to say, you know, maybe she thinks he's trying to say I love you or something. But he says that iconic line of like, oh, gosh, this is harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, this is really hard. <laughs> I'm not talking about my junk. I'm talking about like my brain. Yeah, not like my junk was on the beach last night. <laughs> it's hard like in a mental way. You totally blew it, dude. And so Bodie and the boys are at a beach night campfire. And the boys are freaking out, but Bodie is just cool as a cucumber. They're stressing, like, what the fuck do we do? We're, like, blown. They're scared. Gigs up. Yeah. They're, they're scared as hell. Tails are between their legs. And once again, Bodie's charisma is what wins everybody over yeah well they're also ready to kill utah i think several of them suggest like you know you should you should have killed him or we should kill him it's fear it's yeah i mean out of fear certainly yeah. and um you know bodhi just he like spirit guide spirit surfing guide gurus them out of their murderous slash fleeing intent 
their fight or flight. Yeah. He's got ice in his veins and he's just all smiles, all charisma. You guys got to trust me. I know how to handle this. Just chill. Yeah. Remember, like, I know exactly what to do. Yeah. And he's like, you guys got to remember why we're doing this. Cause we, we are testament to the human spirit. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. All that. He like, gives him this very inspirational they, short speech. It's, yeah. It's his little like <laughs> manifesto of like, we're not just, we don't just rob banks for money. We do it to show people that the human spirit is still alive while they're inching their way down the highway in their middle coffins, man. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's right. Which was a little weak to me. Like there are yeah, a lot a of ways bit. to do that other than robbing banks. Well, they also need money, so I guess it tracks. <laughs> and it's an adrenaline rush, so I guess it tracks. It's a thin excuse. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got that plus seven charisma, so I guess they go with it. Yeah, he rolled high for here for sure. Definitely definitely had a good persuasion role. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right after this, we get the boilerplate gun silhouette against a wall in a bedroom someone's clearly approaching a sleeping person with a gun you see that it's johnny utah asleep in the bed there's a shot and it hits the pillow and he wakes up in a fright and it's tyler and she's found his gun and badge and is demanding he tell her the truth it's it's not quite the the secret she was expecting (laughs) yeah so she's all pissed that you know she can't believe he did this she runs out he tries to chase her down, but he's he's uh, out of luck because he can't run on his knee. So he tries calling her, no luck. Leaves and, a really heartfelt Keanu Reeves message like, <laughs> I know I screwed up. Just can never, why dang it, why can't I ever say what I want to say? Good guess, huh? Fuck, why can't I ever say what I really mean? <laughs> and later, uh, Bodie and the boys show up to Utah's place. Uh, much of it as they've done many a time, but this time they're not taking no for an answer for taking Utah on their little adventure. Yeah, you're coming with us. We've got something we gotta we got to do with you. They roll up to a plane that's going to take them skydiving. Skydiving. And uh, you, you can you can start to see, like, it's just, it, it paints such a fun picture of Bodie and the boys. Like, I think Bodie says something like, you know, some dudes snort, some dudes uh, like sh- shoot up the shoot veins. Up. Yeah. Other dudes just gotta. Some others just gotta jump out of a plane. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's a blast. But listen, I sort of screwed my knee up yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah. I noticed you limping, but hey, don't worry about it, bro. Don't worry at all because we're not gonna land on land. Oh well, fine then. I feel so much better. Okay, let's fly. They get up in the plane, and Bodie and the boys have a really fun time. Because Utah's like, well, who packed my chute? He's eyeing his chute like, I'm a marked man at this point. It's this like charade of musical shoots where <laughs> he's like, no, give, give me somebody else's chute. I'm like, yeah, sure, man. And then like they start joking around like, no, 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 you don't want Bodie's chute. He always packs his shit wrong. This is a real neck breaker backpack. I'm going to jump or jerk off. <laughs> That's my man. It turns out to be a totally innocent jump. They all jump out. They have a the great water. time in the they, air. Yeah, they, they, they have some good old Bodie the Boys style shenanigans. It's like a solid two minutes of falling. He's eating it up. He fucking loves it. He loses his mind like 
enraptured with the joy of it. Yeah, he kind of forgets it. Like, oh shit, I'm like with my probably to be killers. And I'm just like chilling. So they all land and uh, rendezvous. They all land in the water, rendezvous on the land. And uh, Bodhi takes Utah aside. So I was like, come on, dude, I got I to gotta show you something over here. Uh, pulls him into the back of a van. What's this? This is an insurance policy. We'll sting a bit, but uh, it's for your own growth, bro. Press play. And he, he plays the play. It's play, and the tape rolls, and it's it's Tyler bound and gagged to a chair with uh, one of Bodie's guys with a knife, just kind of has her like his plaything. Patrick Swayze. I wrote Patrick Stewart down in my notes. Uh, Patrick Swayze looks – I think he does a really good job, job acting because he actually looks uncomfortable here. It, he almost like has this grimace where he's watching it where he's like, I wish it didn't come to this. But he also has the satisfaction of he's looking at Utah like, I think this is working. You see like the restrained satisfaction but also like, I can't believe I've done this to my to my girl. You can tell that he is very conflicted about this predicament. To the point that he's actually the one who turns off the tape. He realizes he has Utah dead to rights. At that point, he's like, yeah, I, I basically have to show up at this place at this time in person. It's the only way that Rosie's not going to gutter. And that's his insurance policy against Utah because Utah's like, I'm going to fucking kill you for doing this. She's like, uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. You didn't say the magic word. Like, there's no cell phone reception where he's going to meet us. So I've just got to get there. And if I'm not there, Tyler's going to die. You and me have a common interest, and that's getting me to where I need to go. And Utah is just like, all right, man, well, we're fucking wasting time. Let's go. It's such a fun protagonist meets antagonist moment where they're, like, on the same team now, even though they have radically different ideologies and goals. Yeah. On the same team by force. And so Bodhi takes Utah on a robbery with the ex-presidents. They're suiting up in the van on the way to the robbery. Bodhi gives them an, an unloaded shotgun and no mask, and they hit a bank. This is a really fun scene to see them getting in character for this robbery. You know, you see Swayze pass out the masks. LBJ, you're up. Dick. Here you go. You know, sorry, Utah. You don't get a mask this time. Yeah, I guess you don't get to be president. Yeah. They are hyped. You can tell that they're essentially adrenaline junkies. And this is one of the things they love to do. Like, they get a lot out of it because it's just kind of their lifestyle. Did you ever get the sense in, in this movie, everybody in this group but Bodhi is an idiot? Oh, yeah. For sure. Because every time anybody talks but Bodhi, it's always like some stupid like surfer affirmation yeah i fucking love this job man huh <laughs> yeah fucking amen yeah like Bodhi is waxing philosophical about what it means to rob a bank and rebel he's like fear only rules you if you let it and once you let fear take control all the worst things you can imagine will happen so you've got to be in charge and project strength yeah. and then it cuts to this guy like yeah man fucking a yeah <laughs> it's just like <laughs> Bodhi looks, he's got to be like the most eloquent guy in this group by far. Once they get fully dressed up in their robbery and their ex-president's gear, another one of these iconic scenes, in my opinion, is kind of this like point of view from Utah's perspective 
from the van into the bank. So you see uh, Bodhi as Reagan looking into the camera going, rock and roll. And they jump out of the van and bust into the bank. And it feels like you're actually like on the ground. You got boots on the ground. You're with the ex-presidents as you're being dragged into this bank for a robbery. Bodhi hops up on the counter as Reagan does the spiel about we're the ex-presidents. We just need 90 seconds of your time. They start doing their thing like they do, like machines. Except Bodhi says go for the vault. And you can see the other guys are like questioning a little bit, but you know, they obey their leader and they go for the vault, which they never do. They are in and out in 90 seconds. They never go for the vault because it's, it adds complication and time. It does. That's how they've pulled off 27 plus robberies. They go for it and they're losing time. They're at like 70, 80 seconds and the other guys are like, what the fuck are we doing? And while all this is going on, we get the guard who they disarmed and put to the ground who, fun fact, is Brian Bumgardner, who is Kevin from The Office. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. But he, he's on the ground, and there's an off-duty cop on the ground who's, like, whispering to him, like, hey, when I make a move, you'll be ready, right? He's kind of flashing his piece. Yeah, he pulls his piece out, puts it in front of him. All the while, uh, they're getting the, the bank manager keys, going back to the vault, robbing it, and this guy's making a plan. So this off-duty cop decides he wants to be a hero. I don't know, man. If it's just, like, I get wanting to do your civic duty and uphold the law if you're off-duty, but against four armed with heavy arms. Shotguns. I think Bodhi had, like, a fucking Dirty Harry gun. Big-ass 44 with a 12-inch barrel. I can't imagine anybody would have, I wouldn't even say the balls, anybody would lack the brains to stand up to four dudes who were, like, pro-bank robbers. I guess in his defense... I'm not defending him, more so just affirming his ignorance. He doesn't know that these are pros, I guess. He could think that these are just some, some fuckheads off the street. He, he's maybe a seasoned cop, maybe he's a, a hothead. Maybe he thinks he can take him out. He's gotta know that like he's not gonna make it. Or at least have that thought be like, I'm probably not gonna make it. He at least waits until the two guys are in the vault before he stands up and shoots Bodie. Yeah, he stands up and Almost center masses Bodhi, knocking him off the counter, so Bodhi falls down. And then it's just a absolute bloodbath. Utah brandishes his badge and says, I'm FBI undercover. Too bad. Hero Cop double taps him in the chest. LBJ gets shot by Hero Cop. The security guard at this point somehow has procured a gun and starts shooting at people. The guys come out of the vault. They, they shoot the security guard in the back a couple times. So at this point, Bodhi arises from having gotten shot. And like, this was it, powerful right here. It really was. The way, I, I wonder how many takes they had to do this with. When he stands up, his arm comes over the counter first, almost kind of in a cartoonish way where you see like a, a hand come up out of a grave or something, pulls himself above the view of the bank counter. And the way the mask is kind of folded, it looks like Reagan is just so strained. I wondered how many times they had to do this right. I almost wonder if it was just one of those like the magical takes that just happened the first time. Because, yeah, I noticed that, too. When he came up, it was almost as if the mask was emoting what Bodhi was emoting. Yeah. Because he pulls off the mask, and he, he realizes that it's going to shit. It's not just going smooth like it always does. And he has a face of anguish, but then he sees the cop who's, like, at this point reloading and realizes that he has to kill him. And just in the previous scene... Bodhi was 
telling Utah how much he hated violence. And in this moment, he has to dish it out. And you can tell that he is pained to do so. Yeah, it's too bad the guy that hates violence chose to regularly arm himself with guns and steal money from people. (laughs) Yeah. Who would have thought it could have come to this? Who would have thought? So he shoots the cop. Cop goes down. Bodhi realizes it should have hit the fan. Two of his boys are hit. Yeah, two are hit. One is one is bleeding out. Basically, one dies in his arms. Basically, so as they you know make their escape, Bodhi's pissed and just out of rage, pistol whips Utah, knocking him out. Scene. Bodhi and the boys dip, leaving the one of the boys that died there. Indeed, he does, Zach. So. Next, we get Utah waking up in a daze. The FBI is there. The cops are there. The news is there. Everyone is. He realizes he's in a pile of shit because he's getting cuffed by the squarehead crew. They're reading him his rights. Cox is there mouthing off. And then Busey shows up and is like, uncuff him or at least let me take him in. And then Cox starts giving him the berating like he does, telling him he's a piece of shit and he's worthless and all that. And then Busey big dogs the shit out of Cox. I was in this bureau when you were still popping zits on your funny face and jacking off to the lingerie section of the Sears catalog. Is that right, Pappas? Yes, that's right, Harp. And there's one thing that I learned out of all these years that you still haven't got. Yeah? Why don't you astonish me, shit face? (laughs) Respect for my elders. God! Knocks him the fuck out, punches him out. <laughs> was my favorite Busey scene in this movie, aside from the unnecessary Busey from before. It felt like in the big dogging when he was berating him, th- there were a couple of Buseyisms nested in there, I felt, that probably weren't in the script. Oh, for sure. He grabs Johnny Utah, is like, I'm going to take him in, gets in the car with Utah cuffed, and takes off. Utah's like, Busey, I know, I know where they're going. And Busey's like, yeah, I thought you might. Let's go get him. So they head to the airport. They just happen to know the terminal at LAX where they're taking off from. So they they drive straight to that terminal where the little Cessna is waiting to take off. And I don't think it's a Cessna. It's a dual prop. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they roll up to the tarmac where they're at. Angelo kind of like rolls out of the car and goes stealth mode. Utah confronts uh, Bodie and one boy. One of the boys. One of the boys. Utah's like, dude, the gig's up. People have died. You've killed an off-duty cop. The game's up. Just stop. This will never end for you. There's a gun on you right now. Yeah. Just like, don't mix any harder. Let's just go. Tell me where she is. And much to, you know, much like... Bodia's yin to Utah's yang. He's like, you know, I can't stop. You know, you know, I can't stop. I gotta go. Game's uh, not over till I say it's over. Yeah. While they're talking, one of the boys, Roach, was it Roach? Roach, I think, was the one coming out of the terminal. Like. Yeah. So Roach is one of them. He's he's probably the shaggiest of the boys. Sees Busey sneaking up, trying to flank Bodie, and shots start to pop off. Yeah, one of the boys shoots Busey. Busey turns around and shoots the shoots the guy that came out in the chest a couple of times. Busey then turns around and shoots the other unharmed 
Bodie boy. The other shotgunner Bodie boy. Yeah, and uh, then he turns his gun towards Bodie. But since Bodie is the key to letting Tyler live, Keanu basically like steps in between. like, do not shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. In the commotion, while Busey is just like trying to get a shot off, he gets just like pumped full lead by one of the boys. And he eats shit. He uh, takes the old dirt nap. Yeah, he, he buys the farm. He goes to Beef Town. Yeah, Beef Town. <laughs> he's, a, he's a cattle farmer now. Up in the sky, yeah, and and Utah laments with a wail of no, and runs over to him, and then the pilot comes out of the plane and is like, "Hey, I'm not taking you guys to like San Antonio or whatever." He says the name of the place that they're going, and because he did that, and Utah heard it, but he's like, "God damn it!" He told him where we're going. Let's go, man. Well, you're going to ride this all the way, Johnny. You and me, so let's go. And so Bodie grabs Utah, pulls him into the plane, grabs Roach, pulls his wounded ass into the plane. He's been shot twice in the chest. He's still alive. He's bleeding. And they take off. And they head up, and they stay below the radar for quite a while. And the Bodie boy, Roach, is, is bleeding out. Swayze, Bodie, is completely in denial, like... No, I, this isn't all fucked up. Like the fan is not shit covered; it's perfectly <laughs> clean. They're getting their shoots on, or Bodie is putting a shoot on the wounded Roach, and getting their money bags. The whole time, Utah's like trying to get Bodie to, to call off the murder, the impending murder of Tyler, and Bodie like looks him dead in the face, doesn't do it, and jumps out of the plane. Adios, amigo. Yeah, I mean, presumably, Bodie will make it safely to the surface of the earth, meet up with Josie, who's holding Tyler and will kill her if Bodie doesn't meet him. But Utah's whole point is like, dude, there's a chance you could die. Just radio in from up here, tell him to release her. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. And so that leaves Utah in a really tough place. He's like, shit. He doesn't think for but a second. He grabs the gun Bodie left on the floor of the airplane and just says, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I think he yells, fuck it. He yells, fuck it. Fuck it! Jumps out of the plane without a parachute on. In the most iconic scene of the movie by far. He jumps out of the plane in an extra large shirt. <laughs> because if you look closely as he's falling, yeah, he's wearing a big ass shirt and it's covering up his shoot. But I didn't notice that till the second time watching it. It worked very well. I still didn't notice. But uh, yeah, Utah takes all the skydiving knowledge he gained from the one time he went skydiving about a week ago or something and is able to track down Bodie mid-flight. They cut to Bodie while uh, Utah is chasing down, and this dude is just chilling in the sky. He's just vibing, just like chilling as he's falling, and you see Utah just like like bearing down on him from above. (laughs) Utah pencils real hard to to catch up to Bodie. And he slams into him and knocks him off course and holds the gun to his head and tells him to pull the fucking shoot. And Bodhi calls his bluff. He's like, nah, you pull it, man. You got to throw that gun down, but you pull it. They get one last, like, who's going to take it to the edge? Who's going to, like, wait till the last thing to shoot? And he starts counting down from his experience before they just, like, become, you know, pancakes. And at the last second, Utah is like, fuck. Throws the gun off, pulls the shoot. They slam into the ground. Goodbye, Utah's knee again. Again, yeah. 
Bodhi's like, you're one radical motherfucker. Yeah, as they're rolling around. <laughs> God damn, you are one radical son of a bitch. What a what a fun line. Yeah. You're one radical son of a bitch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Bodhi really respects Utah for that, despite the fact that he's trying to bring him in. Like, yeah, Utah kind of is the adrenaline junkie level that Bodhi is. I, I couldn't help but think a number of times in the movie, Bodhi feels like the Joker to Utah's Batman. Yeah, yeah. Their existence is kind of what gives each other's life purpose almost in a sense. When they land... Right before Bodhi says, you're one radical son of a bitch. Utah almost is just like talking to his like friend. He's like, oh, God damn it, man. Fuck. Like just kind of chilling a little bit after hitting that landing. After Bodhi stands up, Utah can't really follow him because his knee is all fucked up. It's like Batman and the Joker as in a surfer parallel universe or something. So basically Batman from the 1960s with, with Adam West. Adam West, Adam West, Batman robs banks. Right. You filthy criminals. They land hard. Bodhi calls him a radical son of a bitch. Utah's knees blown out again. And a Jeep with Rosie is coming up on him. Pulls up. Bodhi yells, let her go. And sure enough, there's Tyler runs up to Utah before Bodhi leaves Utah's side. He's like, yeah, I guess you're not going to catch me. And I I guess we both lose this one. Yeah. And gets in the Jeep and says, yo, Johnny, see you in the next life. Yo, Johnny. I'll see you in the next life. Yeah. And it seemed like a fitting end to, such a strange yet star-crossed seemed, frienders yeah i mean they were basically like made for each other but they didn't know it but you know utah led such a different life than bodhi did but they were like cut from the same cloth their dna is so close you know they're brothers they're meant to be brothers but they just had very different paths star-crossed cain and abel <laughs> star-crossed bros yeah and then um Utah and Tyler die of starvation, dehydration in the desert. Roll credits. Yep, after they leave Roach, <laughs> dead in the desert. Yeah, he hit the ground dead. They, uh, they as they're driving away, they, they stop at Roach's body, toss the... Uh, the bag of cash that Bodhi uh, pushed the still alive roach out of the plane with. They grab the cash. Bodhi says, we shouldn't leave him here like this. We should bury him. And Josie goes, there's no time. And they just run back in the Jeep and yeah. drive off. Immediately. You've convinced me. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay. Rest in peace. <laughs> no, no, they don't die in the desert. Uh, the scene ends there. And it fades into... Keanu Reeves driving a safari truck in the rain. We're led to believe he's in Australia. The radio tells us so. Yeah, there's a very Australian man on the radio talking about a big storm coming into Bell's Beach. Utah walks out the beach walk. There's a bunch of Australian extras coming off of the, the beach saying it's death on a stick out there. He finds Bodhi on the beach wearing a an afghan. When, when he walks up, he tosses the Reagan mask at his feet. 
Yeah. And Bodie instantly knows it's Special Agent Utah. I wonder <laughs> I wonder how many beaches Utah went to, like carrying that mask and then just like crestfallen carrying the mask back to the car. Do you think he wore his <laughs> jeans and jean jacket at every single one? <laughs> Like that's his like special Bodie catching outfit. Yeah, like he has this outfit saved just to catch Bodie. <laughs> he makes sure it's raining every time he puts it on. So every time he puts it on, it's a little smaller. <laughs> this yeah, is my this is my special Bodie outfit issued to me by the FBI. He knew Bodie couldn't miss this storm. Once again, Bodie is just like almost like he's talking to his brother. Just like, hey man, I I, I knew you'd find me one day. Finally, get your wings. It's totally closed up. Waiting for my set. You gotta go down. You cross the line and people trusted you and they die. Yeah, it went bad. But real bad. But it doesn't seem to be trying to make a getaway or fight him. He's just like, just let me go, man. Like, don't worry about it. Utah can't let it go, insists on taking him in, taking him in, and a fight breaks out between the two of them because he's so insistent. Yeah, they start to lose articles of clothing. Afghan goes flying. I think he loses a jean jacket. It's a pretty intense fight in the surf. They're both getting wet. It's pouring down rain also, and it ends with Bodhi overpowering Utah, and he's like holding him under the surf. He's about to drown him, I guess. And then it's very possible that Bodhi was like, man, I'm not a killer. I mean, I did. I think he's like, I'm not a killer, and I can't kill. Like, even if I were, I wouldn't kill I can't Utah. kill Utah. Yeah. And then Bodhi lets go, and when he comes up, he realizes that Utah's handcuffed him. So he's like, no! Damn it! And then the, the helicopter comes in, and all the Australian police come up, flaunting their accents. Because it's clearly, this was clearly shot in Australia. But he's got him. Utah's caught his man, and this is when Bodhi pleads for him to just let him go. Just let me let me go catch my one wave. This is, my whole life is up to this moment. This is what I want to do. And this is the part where you say, like, no. <laughs> no, he, you do not deserve that. You don't get that because <laughs> you just, like, went on a crime spree for the last three years in L.A. You killed a bunch of people. You held a woman hostage. You know, you stole a bunch of money. No. But I guess Utah feels the spirit of the surf and lets him have it. Yeah, I mean, I I totally empathize with Utah's choice here. You know, Bodie gives a pretty heartfelt plea. He's like, dude, I can't live in a cage. Just let me get this thing I've wanted to do my whole life. It's all been up to this. And I totally get Utah's thing here. He's like, let this guy have one last romp. His whole life really has led up to this. How ruined of an orgasm would it be if he's like ready to go out in the surf, get, catch the perfect wave, and then he's just like, psych, you're not. Well, <laughs> as he's, and he saw the perfect, he's, he's seeing the perfect waves come in as he's handcuffed to Utah. At this point, the set of a lifetime is coming in for big waves. And I guess, sure. But I mean, Utah has his whole career on the line for this. Like, he's been chasing the guy for a year. He is just going to let him go after everything he did, I guess. I guess it's because, like, he found himself in the ocean. He lets Bodhi go, and then you see the the cops run up to the surf and like, Oh, God, what have you done? We'll just catch him when he comes back in. Crikey! 
Yeah. Um, so then we just see like, I guess, stock footage of a dude surfing this monster wave. Not stock footage, actually. Really? No, that was um, Derek Dorner, I think is his name. He's actually a big wave surfer, and he's the guy who trained all the actors to surf. And he actually went out and did a take for that scene. I had wondered this. Like, did they pay some guy to go out and just eat mega shit? Well, yeah, I mean, apparently they did. They did, yeah. And he basically dove into the wave to make it look like, you know, Bodhi was eating it and assumed dead. And then Utah, the music starts playing. He's walking off in his soaked denim and he looks at his badge and he tosses it into the ocean. I guess because he realizes he's done fucked up for the last time. I got the sense he just was jaded with the FBI. I think both. And, um, well, I think he, like, his mission was catching Bodhi, not necessarily fulfilling his duties to the FBI. I think even if it was both, I don't think he's got a job at the FBI after this. He could if he wanted to. Bodhi had a good point. He was like, there's cliffs on both sides. He can't go anywhere. He's not going to swim out in the open ocean i think utah could have the defense of like just thought to give him one last little run out in the ocean he'd have to come back i didn't know he'd, i didn't know he'd suicide in a in a, in a wave via con dios because <laughs> he's so close but i don't think the fbi would would know that uh utah would know that i'm still kind of amazed that he has a job after everything else that happened anyway he sends him out he gets his wave or doesn't to me this is kind of funny because his whole life has led up to this. He finds the one big-ass wave, and he barely stands up on it before he eats it. <laughs> so, I don't know. In a way, that was kind of a letdown for me for Bodhi's character. I really wanted to see him ride the wave at least like halfway before he ate it. But no, he just fucking ate it immediately. So, I guess in a way, he got what was coming. I, I thought about that too, but I also thought like... what Just now, <laughs> I thought like maybe... <laughs> Maybe that initial part where he was standing up, he identified as the most violent part of the surf. He's like, "This is where I have to jump." What What happens if Bodhi? What happens if Bodhi survives? He like comes up. He's like, "Shit, I'm still alive. Let me go catch another one." Just you keep seeing him paddling, paddling out, and like just throwing himself against the cliffs. He's still alive. Each time he gets up, he's got more broken bones. Oh god. <laughs> the final scene is. Utah tossing his badge and then the song and credits. And it feels like a very, you know, a very 90s ending. It's it's great. Zach, what did you think of Point Break? Oh, man. I loved this movie. You and I watched this movie together. That was my first watch through. I've seen, you know, snippets of it going back to like as early as I think I remember seeing snippets in middle school. And there's so many iconic scenes. Like I've seen clips of the, the skydiving scene where Keanu is chasing Bodhi without a shoot. You know, that's been like adapted in so many different medium, like animated, whatever. Mythbusters. I guess that wasn't Mythbusters. I watched it all the way through for the first time with you. You obviously know that, but I'm honored. Our two viewers don't. Well, actually, we we're our two we're our two viewers. Our viewers. We our viewers know. I halted my note taking twenty minutes in because I was just like, 
I just want to be absorbed in this movie because it's so good. I don't want to be harried by like having to write down stuff. Man, like it's a deceptive bro movie. It's masquerading as a thriller movie, but I think it's more of a bro movie. I think deep down, like this is what you play when it's like two dudes hanging out. You look no further than Point Break. It's a good point. Then you can cuddle afterwards. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like, bro, do you think I'm? Do you think I'm Bodie or Utah? <laughs> Dude, you are Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're more of a Tyler. I'll be the big spoon. <laughs> you're a Roach, man. But yeah, I mean, like, with the uh, kind of like buddy cop bromance that develops between Angelo, that is Busey, and Utah, and the incredible bromance between Bodie and Utah, it's just about dudes hanging out and having a great time and vibing. And like, I had a great time vibing with you watching this movie. Yeah, man. There's a lot of testosterone. <laughs> Their brone is. Oh, God. <laughs> That was like, actually worse than what I said. What I don't feel so bad. Yeah, I I out I out dad joked you. Yeah. So more of a circumstantial review of it than it was actual material review. But <laughs> that's my that's my take. What did you think of this movie? I very much enjoyed Point Break. I would probably put it in maybe my top ten of all time. Wow. Yeah, it was this when we watched it. Was that your first full length watch through? It was not actually. The first time I watched it was on a surf trip uh, <laughs> down at the Outer Banks, and I was drinking at the time, so I don't remember it that well. But I remember it being really fun. Definitely has more of an impact now. I, I recognize it for in all of its glory. It's it's action packed. There's a lot of I'm not going to say like powerhouse acting. I think the only real powerhouse acting we saw was probably from Patrick Swayze. Agreed. And there's a couple of scenes that he had. I would give it to Gary Busey, but Gary Busey's just Gary Busey. He's not really <laughs> acting. He's just being Gary Busey. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really keeps you engaged the whole time. There's not much downtime in that movie. It, it's just a ton of fun through and through. And you feel for both sides of the struggle. Yeah, you know, it's funny we recently reviewed the hunt for an october and we talked about how it's like hard to tell who the protagonist is with sean connery as ramius and uh, alec baldwin as jack ryan it's not so muddied in this movie but my god it's hard not to root for Bodie, even when it's laid bare that he's one of the ex-presidents he's put tyler in mortal danger it's still so hard to not like him. It's true. His, his like charismatic gravitas that he brings to the movie is, and just to his character, is powerful. He really sells you. In the same way that he attracts the like surfer idiots and Utah and whoever else, what you assume is a ton of friends and all that, he attracts the viewer of the movie to really like him. I think part of that's just Patrick Swayze, but he just he plays his character so well. He is... A real modern savage. A real modern savage. <laughs> Truly. True searcher. Mitch, this is a segment that we've done a couple of times, and I think it's a fun little piece to try and find... Something you might not expect, someone you not, might not expect. Mitch, who's your true hero from this movie? You know, I really struggled with this 
because the whole movie, it's basically just Bodie, Utah, Busey. I mean, I guess you could say Tyler too, Mm. but you don't want to put them, any of them as the true hero because they're all main characters. So after a lot of deliberation, I have settled with the naked lady from the butthole surfer's house Whoa! as the true hero for this movie. And I say that... Wow, dark horse candidate. But it's only because I think she fits the true hero title <laughs> because she's so out of left field. Yeah. Like the last thing you expected in this moment, the same way in Patriot Games, the last thing you expected was some Buick to like try to run <laughs> off a dude with an Uzi hanging out of a van <laughs> on the road. Uh, the last thing you expected was the naked chick who was screaming in the previous scene to kick... Our action hero Johnny Utah's fucking ass, and then proceed to stab one of the one of the squarehead crew <laughs> like three times. She gave it her all. Man, I really wonder like if she had some combat training because her her knees and fists find their mark very quickly and effectively. She was a ball of fury for sure. She came out of nowhere, and I think you're right. She's she fits the bill for two hero like a glove in that she's comes out of nowhere as not a main cast member in an action way to save her vision of what's right. Do you have a true hero that you've selected for this film, Zach? I had a hard time with this one too. For a long time, I was thinking Bodhi, but it violates like what was one of the unspoken rules, which is like, can't be a main cast member. Yeah, I guess it could be, but it's too obvious. I think I am going to give my true hero here too, the kid in the surf shop. <laughs> the the surf sage. Yeah, because, and this is gonna sound like I'm arguing against myself here, but he's the one who I think kind of got Utah in the mindset of, hey, I should surf to try and find these guys. This kid is the first one to say anything before Utah even tried surfing, before the idea of, hey, you need to surf to find these guys were thrown out. This kid said, hey, man, like surfing's a source. It'll change your life. And maybe that was what tipped the scales, you know, to have Utah go, well, what do I got to lose and go surfing? If it wasn't for that kid, he might not have done it. And changed Utah's life. And changed his life because he found the source. Found the source, So man. for that reason... I can't describe what I'm feeling. That little nine-year-old <laughs> surf shop kid is my true hero. Very nice. I think that's good. Maybe even better than Naked Chick with a knife. I would disagree with you on that, but all right. <laughs> well, for someone who didn't have one, you came up with one on the spot pretty well. Well, we know what our next segment is, I believe. Mitch, I believe I do, and so I am contractually obliged to ask you what dish does this movie remind you of if you had to compare this movie to a dish what is it i am overjoyed to tell you that i actually came up with one that wasn't spaghetti it was spaghetti (laughs) spaghetti and meatballs for real though so this movie to me had so much going on that there was a lot of adrenaline there were different elements to it that made me make this choice I think that Point Break, for me, is a big, cheesy bowl of loaded nachos. (laughs) And here's why. (laughs) So when you get a big, cheesy bowl of loaded nachos, you've got tomatoes, cheese, onions, jalapenos, you've got crunchy chips, you might have olives, sour cream. There's so much going on. There's so many elements that make it really good. 
to me, this movie has all those elements of a dish that can have all this going on and still be really great. You know, you've got surfing, you've got just violence, both physical and gunplay. You've got skydiving, you've got bank robberies, you've got naked women, car chases. Like this movie has so much that makes you love it. You've got bromance, <laughs> um, you've got surfing guru. There's a ton of stuff in here that makes it really fun to digest, that makes it really fun to take in. Because of that, I give it nachos. Now in the same way that it's like nachos, this movie starts wet and it ends wet. So in the first scene, I know that sounds kind of off-putting, but in the first scene, we have a very soaked Bodhi surfing and a very soaked Johnny Utah, John wicking some targets in the rain. And at the end, you've got the rainy 50-year storm fight in the surf. So in the same way, a bowl of really delicious, cheesy nachos, when you start off, you've got... (laughs) When you start off, you've got this hot, melty cheese that's wet all over your nachos. There's still like the wet grease on the hot chips. And then you get through all the nachos. You enjoy all that delicious variety that you get to eat the whole way through. At the end, though, you get soggy chips. <laughs> you you know, the last few chips are the ones that have soaked up all the like the sour cream and, and the, the juice from your tomatoes. And in, in the same way for me, this movie was a little soggy at the end. Yeah, I know it was raining, so it, it you can take it literally. But I also just felt like the over-the-topness of the last 10 minutes with the fight in the surf and the 50-year storm and him going out to the big wave and just fucking eating it immediately and then Utah tossing his badge inexplicably into the ocean. Like, yeah, you, you, can, you can use conjecture and say it could be a number of reasons why he did that. I really think overall the reason they did that was just for impact. Because it's the most cliche thing he could do is toss his badge in the ocean. And so for me, the the end of Point Break, while I love the movie, and just like I love a big bowl of cheesy nachos, it was a little soggy. Not that I don't love eating those soggy chips. They're still pretty good after you're full of nachos and you just want to keep on getting that. Yeah, so for me, it, it ends wet with that big wave faux pas and all the soaked denim. Well, Mitch, I've got to congratulate you on a fucking tour de force of dish comparison to movie. Thank you, sir. I I felt like I had big shoes to fill after your French onion soup dish from last time. (laughs) (laughs) What a master class in dish comparison. Did I mention it was spicy too? Like spicy nachos? Because this movie was pretty spicy. You didn't mention that, but... I meant to. You have a good point in the sogginess of the ending. I didn't think the ending was that bad, but I thought while while you were making that explanation... Would the movie be better if they ended it with, hey, Johnny, see you in the next life. They drive off credits when Johnny and um, and Tyler are making out in the after they've been reunited. Oh, man. Is that a better ending when they just part ways and you're left to wonder what happens to them? You could argue leaving it there, Johnny Utah's career at the FBI is over. His partner got killed. He got a bunch of other people killed. He was accessory to murder. He assisted the bank robbery. Whether he was under duress or not, or being leveraged or not, I feel like you could have left it there. You know, I think if if Point Break, forget the shitty 2015 remake, if Point Break was made today, I think the ending would have, that scene would have happened, and then the final scene would be some sort of reconnection to like lead to a Point Break 2. Yeah. Like it'd be like, 
a, a call from Dr. Cox, like, hey, you worthless blue flame sack of shit. Yeah, we got a lead on Bodie. He tore up some tiki bar in Cancun with Josie. What if you get you get a an older Lori Petty and Keanu Reeves, or like you can make them up to look old, their kid going out to surf on like a, a like a, a summer camp trip, and he goes to surf the waves, and there's this like really chill older guy who like starts to kind of wax philosophical about what it what it means to surf, and and the kid's <laughs> like, "Hey man, who are you?" And he's like, "Uh, my name is uh." Doby Johnny Utah. Doby Rafa? Yeah, that's my name. Doby Rafa. <laughs> I think they set the stage for the 50-year storm ending. They could have even had more time between it. You know, it's a 50-year storm. It just so happens to be happening the next year. They could have been like, oh, yeah, in a decade, that 50-year storm is going to be great. And their lives could have changed even more in that span of time versus just one year or six months, however, however long it was that passed. In real life, it was six months between the desert scene and the quote-unquote Bell's Beach scene. Yeah. That's why their hair was different. I'm not sure if it would have been better. I don't think it would have been 90s better. It was a perfect 90s movie ending. Oh, yeah. Textbook. It's in the 90s ending Hall of Fame. <laughs> I think. It must be. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a that's, yeah, man, I, there's no way I can top that comparison what um, you got what is your dish zach i got dish envy last time pretty bad because you came <laughs> up with like you like perfectly described the shortcomings of the movie and the potential shortcomings of french onion stu- soup and i felt like i really had some dish intimidation some real inadequate i felt very inadequate after hearing <laughs> your dish just looking down at my little dish. You had recycled spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> you had recycled day-old spaghetti and meatballs. I, I know, right? I You could just do spaghetti, man. That could just be the running theme. There's always a spaghetti dish. <laughs> Every podcast. <laughs> One of us has to do spaghetti. <laughs> if the person who... If the it's person, our self-imposed rule. Yeah. One of us will always resort to spaghetti. <laughs> if the person who answers first doesn't do spaghetti, your dish is thrown out the window and you have to do spaghetti. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and, and like, that's the challenge actually. So at the end of the movie, it's like, who's gonna time like So Mitch, what's your dish for this movie? So <laughs> the other doesn't get caught their pants down like, oh fuck, now I got spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, fuck, I've got spaghetti. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm stuck with the now two year old spaghetti. That's two year old moldy spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> it's the same spaghetti from the first movie. <laughs> yeah. It never changes. <laughs> it's the never upper- ending it's like the Olive Garden endless spaghetti and meatballs. It's just it's like breadsticks being forced into your mouth constantly. But it's spaghetti. <laughs> oh man. That means our progression of movie watching has to continuously go downhill. As does the spaghetti. Because eventually you get to the spaghetti that, like, the college kid left in his microwave for a week and then proceeded to eat, and then he got, like, the most terrible gastrointestinal distress and died. That spaghetti. (laughs) What movie would that be? Let's do reverse dish. Oh, my God. Uh, Maybe Hackers. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen it yet. I haven't either, but from all that I've heard, maybe it's kind of good, I don't know, but I hear it's, like, like, trashy funny it sounds like a bundle of fun like a <laughs> spaghetti monster oh man so what were you leaning towards with your dish it sounds like you had some ideas i was but it was very half-baked 
um, half a very half baked idea. Half baked like lasagna. <laughs> half baked like some um, brownies that you just made to watch Point Break. We can't all have a dish epiphany, Zach. I just had one when I was watching it, and it it just struck me. Well, after much deliberation and thought about if it will indeed be spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> so is it spaghetti and meatballs? The, the dish that Point Break is to me, and I'm, I'm betraying my lack of uh, sophisticated dish knowledge here, but fish and chips. You know, on the face of it, it's kind of a, a beachy seafood kind of dish. Thematic. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, fi- fish dicks can be like. <laughs> so you just straight up said fish dicks. There's no, you didn't even attempt an S. <laughs> fish dicks can be like. <laughs> what can they be like, Zach? As, as, uh, as much as fish dicks <laughs> can be. It is quite possibly the funniest joke ever conceived, and its origin is unknown. The fish dicks joke crosses all borders, all races, all ages and ethnic groups, and is slowly uniting our country. As much as fish dicks can be frozen and eaten, like, as far away from the ocean as possible, it's still kind of an ocean meal, like a, like a seaside meal. There's that element to it. What if I told you that I, I eat fish dicks regularly because I'm a gay fish, but I never think about it as seafood? <laughs> I'm not intentionally. I'm just realizing with what you said, I never think about fish sticks as seafood. I think a lot of people think of it as just like an easy fried food that you can like microwave or toss in the oven or whatever. Yeah. But I guess technically, yeah, it is. It is seafood. But I also love fish sticks myself. <laughs> I bet you do, you gay ass fish. <laughs> yeah, I am one gay ass fish. Shout out Kanye West. Yo, that is messed up, yo. I am not gay, and I sure as hell ain't no fish. All right. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so like, you know, fish sticks are one of those, um, and fish and chips being like the English version of fish sticks and fries. It's one of those meals that you can like just serve yourself and be happy as a clam eaten as like just a solo night. But it's also like a great party hosting kind of meal. Like you can serve it up for four people or whatever. And it fits the theme, I think, of like bro movie, party movie, like watch it. It's a great movie to watch with like, close friends at the beach about to go surfing or whenever because like it's such a great party meal like you can just it's so easily scalable well you got 10 people we'll just toss 10 fish sticks in the fucking pan and you're set i don't don't you mean 10 lightly fried fish fillets <laughs> no i mean fish dicks mitch okay sorry um, <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to correct your your dish descript. Uh, but uh, yeah, as far as like weaknesses in the movie go, the one glaring weakness to me was the willingness of everyone in the FBI organization to let Utah be involved in the raid while he's still deep undercover. Like it's, it's what's, it's what's, um, what kind of takes me out of the movie and makes me go like, who the hell would do this? But I guess the one thing that, Oh God, do I want to, do I want to, Revealed this about fish sticks on on pod. <laughs> reveal whatever you need to reveal about those fish sticks. Oh, no. The one thing that sometimes gives me pause about fish sticks is what is probably a very dirty fish stick secret. Are they circumcised? They fish sticks are almost always cod. I knew that. 
and cod is what is known as, from what I've read at least, a wormy fish. A wormy fish. I just thought it was a white fish. It's it is a white fish, and I don't know if it's like if this is a, a a trait of all white fish, but cod is prone to parasites. So like cod is one of those fish that like you need to make sure is cooked all the way through, lest you ingest a live worm. Whoa! So like God, this is disgusting. Anyway, God, go, maybe that's not go on. God, maybe I should. Okay, I, I I'm gonna. <laughs> leave it there that's like the one parallel i'll draw between the weaknesses of the movie continue your metaphor dish oh god i'm I'm done i've said enough about about fish sticks well no but so what is the wormy cod allegory for a point break it's the one thing that like sometimes i can't help but notice when i'm eating fish sticks which i feel like will be the one thing i can't help but notice when i'm watching point break is there's so many moments where their cover should have been blown. Busey, obviously, in like the unmarked FBI, like beater sedan or whatever. Like Utah talking on his walkie-talkie to somebody on the beach. Utah being at the raid by the beach. I get it. So it's it brings you out. It makes you remember what you're doing, kind of in the same way that you remember that you're eating cod because it's such a cooked fish because it has to be and like i don't know I'm, I'm just sitting here you know railing on that one aspect At the same time like i almost always have fish sticks ready to go in my freezer because i fucking love them and this will probably be a movie that if i see on tv for example i'm gonna set aside time and be like fuck yeah i love this movie this is a great movie i love it for very much the same reasons that you lined out in your dish comparison that I won't renumerate. Yeah, this is a movie that, like, my first full watch through was with you, and I fucking loved it. I, it's probably in my top 20. I don't know if it's in my top 10, but it's in my top 20. All right. That's still high praise. Yeah. This is Mitch. And Zach. Cutting in for a quick ask. If you're enjoying listening to our podcast, we want to thank you, first of all, for supporting this Stupid idea a couple of friends had. But if you'd like to thank us for something that provided you with a little bit of entertainment, then please give us a like and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you really like it, <laughs> we would really appreciate a review and rating from you on your podcast platform of choice. Maybe you have some feedback, constructive criticism, maybe suggestions for movies for us to watch, or just want to drop us a line. You can slide in our DMs at dishingthroughdecades at gmail.com. But if you could do one thing and one thing only, we humbly ask that you share the dish with your friends. It's 2021, and there's no caring like sharing. It goes a super long way towards getting this podcast off the ground, and it would make a couple of dudes who don't know too much about movies or about food feel pretty dang great. That's right, Mitch. Help us spread the good word of our pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of The Dish with Zach and Mitch. (laughs) Well, that probably about does it, doesn't it? Any other notes that you overlooked? No, and um, speaking of overlooking, one thing we never overlook is the support of our friends that we've sent our pod to for a few who... Hopefully not to begrudgingly review and give us feedback and tell us what we can do better. And hopefully, you know, just generally enjoy us rambling for, you know, over an hour about watching a movie and reviewing it. So over an hour edited about watching a movie <laughs> and, and reviewing it and comparing it to food. I can't also 
say enough how much we appreciate that. Yeah, we really do. So um, stay tuned for the next episode, which uh, will be, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) It will be at a point in the future. So, yep, thanks for listening to What Has Been The Dish, and we will catch you guys on the flip side. See you in the next life. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.